here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> Give me a name. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Cranch alongside, as always. Very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on? No, I uh, commented that we were going to lead off the show with the perpetually abused Dragon Gate promotion, which uh, as as people think it's a running gag, but there were many times on this show where we very much intended to talk Dragon Gate, had it slotted for the third hour, and then because we never shut the hell up, we never got to it. And Dragon Gate was bumped from the show, I don't know, at least a half a dozen times. And and people thought it was a gag. It was never a gag. <laughs> we always want to talk about Dragon Gate. We just never do. It's not, yeah, we always in the notes. It's always there. We always do the work. We're always on iHeartDG, copying and pasting and, and talking about when we're going to talk about it. And then we just fucking forget because we're just idiots. So, so they this was the perfect opportunity to lead off the flagship which we've done once or twice also, I think. I don't think that's this would have been the first time. But to actually lead off the show with Dragon Gate. Yeah, oftentimes it's the only way we actually can get to it is if we just lead off with it. Because then we have no excuse to, to, to miss it or, or you know, forget about it or whatever. Well, yeah. And, and, and this week, I think, legitimately, it's the biggest story of the week. Because there's not much going on. We already did. Uh, you know, there's still shrapnel from the WWE UK stuff, with, but we, we talked about that story last week, and we'll talk about that again this week. Um, you know, uh, some some further developments on that, and 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 New Japan is still in the midst of the World Tag League, which doesn't exactly you know uh, move the needle for us in in much. You know, it's a tour that a lot of fans don't really pay attention to there's no wwe pay-per-view for another week so we won't be talking about it what is it tables ladders chairs and oh, stairs oh yeah is that yeah. what it is TLC, next week? baby i don't no know stairs this year? no not yet but there is still time i mean if there's uh, time for the stairs there is time for the stairs uh yeah no there, there is definitely time for the stairs we'll see hopefully so you take wwe off the table there's just nothing going on because the pay-per-view is next week um and there's really no news coming out of there anyway uh main roster at least we're talking new japan it's you know we do have the world tag league final coming up a couple days and we'll do that on the show but eh, that's not really a super lead topic either so this was perfect dragon gate had a big show at cork and hall Pac, who has re-energized the company 
is getting a big Dream Gate title shot against Masato Yoshino. The show was good on top of that. So perfect opportunity to lead off the show. And I even commented this week, we are leading off the flagship with Dragon Gate. It is very clearly the most interesting topic. Unless, like, somebody dies or something. And then what happens the very next morning? You kill somebody on their birthday, Joe. Jesus. You know? Yeah. So Dragon Gate will not be leading off the show because <laughs> the death of Dynamite Kid has usurped the leadoff position from Dragon Gate uh, and become the top story for the week. But, but there's no way Dragon Gate is getting bumped from this no, show. It's going to be second at, 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 at third at absolute most. Cause I do have an off topic uh, real quick that I wanted to talk to you about before I forget about it's it. It's sliding. Now you got something else you're throwing <laughs> at me. I, I, you know what? It's going to end up getting bumped again. It I, can't. It can't, Joe. There's no way. There's no go from lead topic. Most interesting thing going on in a slow week. And it's going to end up getting bumped. You watch. So we got to do dynamite kid. And now rich is springing an off topic thing on me here. So you, it's going to keep sliding down. Watch as we're recording, <laughs> there's going to be some other breaking news somewhere. I turned everything off. Even if there is breaking news, we're, we're going to be wrong about it. You know what I mean? We're just not going to care about it. So that that's everything there's is off. the overrun. There is the overrun. God damn it. You're right. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. The dragon Gate is happening. I, I promise dragon Gate is happening. I did want to talk to you about this though, Joe, because it has been quite a while since I purchased a hot pocket. So I was at the store and there was, uh, a sale, a, a big display that said our hot pockets are on sale. There was some uh, obnoxious price. It was like five for five or whatever. And I was like, well, geez, this is great. Like stock it in the freezer. I got rid of the turkey, you know, with, with Thanksgiving. I no longer have half my freezer taken up. But I said five for five hot pockets, not a bad idea. And you and I had that discussion many, uh, probably about a year or so ago about the two hot pocket flavors. There are a bunch of different flavors, but in, in you know, in general, it's red and it's yellow, correct? Yeah, I mean, really, it doesn't matter what's inside the Hot Pocket. What it really comes down to is there's two flavors of Hot Pocket, red and white. I mean, let's right. be honest. They all taste the same. Okay, so yes, red and white. The problem, though, is I have you been in the Hot Pocket aisle as of late? I am a frequent purchaser of Hot Pockets. And before okay. you get – what did you say you paid for them? What was the deal you it got there? Like I didn't five for five or five for ten. I mean, I knew Wait, it was a good deal. five boxes yes. of Hot Pockets with the, with the two sandwiches two. Yes. Which I devoured uh, about 45 minutes before we're talking right now. So For uh, five – for a dollar each basically. It was you know? basically that. And, I, and, and like I don't even really like Hot Pockets, but I was like, well, I can't pass that deal up. <laughs> that's that's well, got it. So I, I trounced on over to that, that, that aisle, and, and then I will discuss what I was going to discuss here a bit. Mm-hmm. But – I was, uh, I was overwhelmed. First of, all, I was overwhelmed first, of all, first of all, nobody likes hot pockets. Second of all, that's good deal. Yeah, I, I enjoyed mine. I enjoyed mine a little bit earlier. I mean, it's it, it's it's probably been about five or six years since I had a uh, hot pocket, so I, I enjoyed it. But I mean, I don't know if I'm going to go back very often. But you know, for you know, for a buck a piece, it's you know. The thing about the hot pocket is no one really likes the hot pocket. They're they they're always way better in theory than in reality. Like they look great on the box, and it just never quite lives up. Very mediocre food. But we all have them in our freezer. That's the thing. Great so. pre-podcast food, too. Like, I, I, I'm running out of time. I got to watch something. Like, I don't want to make anything. And I just want to eat something that's, like, worthless calories for real quickly. So the, the, the thing I was going to talk about, though, is, and, and you mentioned it's either red or white or whatever. I got into that aisle assuming, okay, my choices are going to be pepperoni pizza, the ham and cheese, you know, the, the, the staples, right? The staple of Hot Pockets. Maybe there'll be one or two other ones. Joe, there were 16 different Hot Pockets on this aisle. 
Are you aware yeah. of the 16 different fucking flavors of Hot Pockets? Many of which, I, I, you know, you said that they only have two colors. There's some, there's some contenders in there that I don't know fit into either of the categories. So I wanted to really quickly go over these with you real quick. Just to, you know, so we'll, we'll start off first. Pepperoni pizza with garlic buttery crust. Are you aware of that? That's different than the normal pepperoni pizza. There's one that's yeah. got like a little garlic garnish on it. Garlic buttery crust. I'll tell you what, I got to try that, that hot pocket. I mean, it's going to be thoroughly mediocre just like the rest. Oh, but for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm tempted by it. I, I know I'm aware of the standard hot pocket crust. I'm aware of the lean pocket. You always got to go lean if it's the same flavor because why not? And and then I, I'm, I'm aware of the pretzel crust as well. What? What? Yeah. There's a it's- hot pocket, which it's in a pre- – like the crust is a pretzel bread. It's like pretzel huh. bread. Yeah. But I'm not aware of this, uh, what is this, flaky buttery? Uh, uh, garlic buttery crust. So there's actually a few that have the garlic buttery crust here. So you got the pepperoni pizza. You got meatball and mozzarella. You also have four cheese pizza. Uh, I took a picture of this, by the way. That's how weird I am. Uh, pepperoni and sausage. And uh-huh. then, uh, oh, sorry, sorry. That's crispy butter crust. So sorry. That, that's So those are contenders for garlic buttery crust. Is pepperoni. But they all fit into what I would consider the, the, the red category, like you said, right? Those are the red flavors. Pepperoni pizza, meatball yeah. mozzarella, and pepperoni and sausage pizza are going to taste exactly the same. There's no difference awesome. between pepperoni and sausage and, and pepperoni. Like, it is all going to taste the same. Meatball and mozzarella, exactly the same. Maybe a different consistency. Exactly. But all in all, it's going to taste the same, and your mouth's just going to be burnt, and, and your tongue won't taste anything for weeks. But, okay. Then you have your standard ham and cheese, your ham and cheddar. That's on crispy buttery crust, which is fine. We all know that. That's, you know, pretty standard. There's some other ones that are on the crispy buttery crust as well. This one horrified me, Joe. This looks like the most disgusting thing. You would, you couldn't pay me to eat barbecue recipe beef. Have you seen this monstrosity? I've not seen this. It is. It looks hideous on the box, and I can't even fathom what that fucking thing tastes like. Barbecue recipe beef. It hot looks pocket. Yeah, you you should do yourself a favor and look it up. It is. I'm looking at it. It comes up instantly. It's the least appealing thing I've ever seen in my life. That is. Let me see this thing. Yeah, I'm going to call that a red. So so that counts in the red category. It has more of a molasses look to it. Yeah. But God only fucking knows what that thing tastes like. That looks hideous. You know, Rich, I think uh, we may have a little bit of confusion with the crispy, buttery crust. I see what you're talking about now. Uh Uh-huh. Hot Pocket might just call all of their crusts crispy, buttery uh, crusts. No, nah, nah, they don't. Wow, so this is something different. They don't. I'm going to tell you. So, but that crispy, buttery crust is kind of what you have for the standard, like your standard, your, your, your normal ham and cheddar is that. Yeah. Right? But but your, <laughs> it's, your, your Jag Hot Pocket is going to be. Right, right, right. Right. There's that barbecue beef. Okay, so those both have the crispy, buttery crust. Okay. Yeah. As well as cheddar, chicken broccoli and cheddar, which well, chicken I, broccoli and cheddar, yeah, that'd be a white. That, so you're, that's going in the white category for you. It's okay. Going in the white. Yeah. Okay, that's it, it's very yellow, but it's still going in the white category for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, the yellows and the whites to me are the same. Yeah, okay. they because they all taste the same. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, uh, we'll move on to pepperoni pizza with just the crispy crust. So this is <laughs> derivative of the garlic buttery uh, crust. Joe, there's too many options. How does one decide which hot pocket? Yeah. So that's just standard crispy crust, which I would say is even more of the jag flavor. But there's not many other crispy crust flavors. The only other one is five cheese pizza that is also on the crispy crust. Okay. You know, you're you're way too. You know, you you've really gone 
deep into this world because you're right. There's a garlic buttery crust <laughs> right. and a crispy buttery crust, which are two different kinds, crispy buttery and garlic buttery. Right. And if I was just getting one, it wouldn't be a big issue. I'd grab the ham and cheddar and walk away and be fine with the rest of my day. But the problem was I, I was able to pick five. And I was like, okay, well, let me try some variety. And that's when Joe and this happened. When I was like, what the fuck? Like, do I chose pepperoni with the crispy crust, pepperoni with the garlic buttery crust? Do I like do I get pepperoni and sausage with the garlic? It's 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 madness, Joe. Why are there so many options? Well, you do not need as many got, options. You don't, because then there's also pretzel bread and pretzel bread in the lean pocket. <laughs> See, okay. I don't I never saw the pretzel so, bread one. There's a lot going on here. Um, you're right about that. Then there's your limited edition flavors. And then you've got the, have you seen the hot pocket food truck flavors? I have not. No, I've never, uh, never had the, uh, I'm looking at this. Oh, this pretzel one looks hideous. That looks awful. I'm not eating that. The pretzel. That looks really bad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not Uh, bad. Here's the thing. They all taste. (laughs) It doesn't make a difference, Rich. They all taste identical. So real, real quickly here, a few other ones that I wanted to talk about. Philly cheesesteak. Yeah. So I got a Philly cheesesteak one. That one look, looked pretty good. I, I do have yeah. that one in the, I, I can't lie. That one's in the, uh, in the freezer, but there are, there's seasoned crust and then there's croissant crust for Philly cheesesteak. Oh, I forgot all about the croissant crust. <laughs> it changes a whole nother wrinkle. There's a whole nother fucking wrinkle to this. Cause also in the croissant crust is the cheddar, uh, the chicken cheddar broccoli. Right. So you got that. So then you have cheddar cheeseburger. Which is in the crispy butter crust? Is that still a white? It is very yellow. The cheddar cheeseburger. Are you still counting it Listen, as white? If if you want to split it down to red, white, <laughs> that's fine. Yellow, no, no, I don't. I don't. You can. You can. I, I. That's fair. You can go red, white, yellow. Anything with you know with the yellow with the ham in it is all going to taste the same. Okay, that's, that's the bottom line. Or the chicken chunks. It doesn't make a difference. It's all the same. They can put. They can have all the different crust varieties and filling varieties they want. They can put anything in that fucking box, and you're going to think you're eating what's on the box. It doesn't make a difference. Like, if you did a blind taste, you, they're all the fucking same. They don't, there's no difference here. There's also beef taco with seasoned crust. I don't know what seasoned crust is. It is different. There is no other none, – none of the other ones have seasoned crust, but the beef taco one indeed has seasoned crust. So I imagine there's maybe some – like some, you know – some spices in there, like some taco spices or something like that. Some, uh, I believe some cumin is what yeah, you're looking for. Possibly, yeah, possibly in there. So um, we'll There's see about that one. Out. Now the real wrinkle in, in this entire thing. Flaky crust makes an appearance here at the end with the okay. chicken pot pie. Yeah. Now that is an official white or is that chicken a derivative? Pie, that sounds like a white. Okay, because it is clear. It appears on the, on the box. I did not get. <laughs> yeah. I did not get the chicken pot pie, right. but I just want to make sure that classifies as white, or if that one is one of the rare exceptions uh, to the red have, uh, white uh, hot pocket. I might have forgot the artificial coloring on that one. <laughs> With that one, so but, this is um, a terrible decision. I just ended up getting like three ham and cheeses and a pepperoni pizza and then a Philly cheesesteak because I just didn't. Know, it's just too much. I don't. I, I beef taco and cheddar cheeseburger. It's just, yeah. It just was overwhelming. It was too much. That's what happens when anyone buys Hot Pockets. You stare at all the flavors, and you're like, all right, I got some decisions to make here. And then you just grab three random ones, and it doesn't make a difference. I mean, that's what <laughs> that's the process that everybody I, goes I, I spent entirely too long coming up to this to, to, to realize that I, I just didn't need to waste my time doing this anymore. So, Did you cook with the sleeve or sans sleeve? Uh, with the sleeve. With the sleeve. You followed the directions. Yes. Rich, you seem like a guy who follows directions. I uh, not all the time, but yeah. In in, in the cases of hot pockets, I am a, a a direction follower, indeed. You know, we had this discussion about five years ago on the show, 
and I think I'm wrong. You, you, when it comes to the microwave, are are not a directions guy. You just throw things in and slap one of the buttons that has a preset time and go. Right? Isn't that your deal with? The uh, microwave? No, no, no. I try to stay. I try to stay pretty much to the time. I might, I might decide that hey, that time's a little too short. I'm gonna go like 30 seconds over. But I tend to kind of stay in the in, in the same realm. Like Michelle, the, the the nurse will just drop 30 seconds. She'll just hit the 30 seconds button and then occasionally just go in and like check on it and then hit 30 yeah. seconds again and 30 seconds again and 30 seconds again and then just leave whenever it's like piping hot or exploding or whatever, where I, I, I try to, I say the, the fine folks at Nestle have, have obviously ta- have done the test. I'm going to do three minutes and 30 seconds. Cause that's what they told me to do. So no, I, I, I tend to follow okay. a little bit more for the two quote unquote sandwiches. Cause who really makes one hot pocket? I mean, let's be honest. Joe, I got to admit, this is pretty embarrassing. You made one hot pocket. No, I made two, but oh. it, on the back, it said, if you have like a smaller microwave, Right. Um, cook them separately. I kind of have a small microwave, so I cook them separately. <laughs> so I did one for three minutes and 30 oh, so seconds, you're, you're... took it out, and then put the other one in there for three minutes and 30 seconds, Wait. which which was good because then the one was like a very respectful temperature when I did eat it, and then the other one was ready for me when I was done with the other one. So, Oh, so for your wattage, it suggests cooking one at a time. It did, yeah. Like I, I, it's a very like kind of low-power microwave because I don't really use yeah. it all that often. So it said, yeah, just use one at a time. You know, Don't cook both of these at the same time. None of them are going to cook. It's one at a time. So I did, yeah, three minutes on one and then took that one out and then put the other one in for three minutes. So Let me ask you this. Are you a stare through the glass with your hand on the handle? <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I do everything. I, I, I forget that I have shit in the microwave. I go and do – I'm, I'm folding laundry. I'm – starting the dishwasher no i am not i i'm never near the microwave at any point i'm always pretty far away so you're not the guy who pops that bitch open at one second because you just can't wait the extra second <laughs> no <laughs> no you're not that guy and then, I, like, with, with popcorn i definitely am because the popcorn i'm always like because you always got to be on the battle ready for popcorn because one second over that whole shit's fucking burnt and you got to make a new bag so i am battle ready with the popcorn with the hot packets i realize an extra minute or you know an extra 30 seconds of cooling down probably won't hurt anything so I have lived with people where every time I went to use the microwave, there was one second still on the, on the, you know, oh, the, Joe, the, Joe. So do you, do you, okay. Real quickly, while, while we're on the topic of microwaves, we're going to get to Dragon Gate. I promise as well as Dynamite Kid. Do you have an irrational hatred of people that don't reset the timer? Well, that's the thing. So I'm just going to say, yeah. So you go and there's, there's always one second left. And I'm thinking two things, Rich. Number one, you couldn't wait another second. <laughs> exactly. Chill. You couldn't wait another second for your cup of ramen noodles or your hot pocket or to heat up that that those whatever the fuck you had in there. That's number one. And number two, now I got to slap the reset button because you, who couldn't wait an extra second for your hot pocket, couldn't slap the reset button after you took them out of the microwave. And it, and it, it bugs the shit out of me. So you are not a one – you are not a stare through the glass, hand on the handle – Open that thing up with one second left, guy. No, I, I hate those people. I, I always let it go, and if I do take it out early, always a reset. Always open yes. the door, a reset. Because like people do it at work, and I make the same comment every time I go to our work microwave. I do the ah, geez, I guess I'll do that. Like, and, and I make like it's excruciating for me. But the same, the, the same thing is, it's like yeah, it's easy for me, but it's just as easy for that person to reset it too. And then the nurse does the same thing. I go, every time I go to the fucking microwave, you know, late, later, you know, tomorrow I'm gonna go look at that thing, and there's gonna be 22 seconds left on it or whatever. I'm like, just fucking hit the reset button. Like now I gotta do it, and I would, you know, you're essentially saying that you're life is more important to me that that half a second is more important to you than it is to me and that that's just not true i have a very important life joe i i completely agree you know you know it's interesting you know who cooks one hot pocket at a time and don't ask me how i know this okay (laughs) 
Is Sean it Park? Sloan. Oh, Sean oh, well, Sean, you can't trust Sloan. Sean he, for anything. He, he a, is a one a hot serial pocket. killer. He is a one hot pocket at a time guy for the same thing you said. By the time you're done eating one, the other one's ready and it's cooled down sufficiently to where you don't bite into it and burn the roof of your mouth with the oozing white or red that comes flowing out of there like lava. So he cooks one at a time. And I, I, don't, I don't even know how I know that, but I, I, I do remember that. But here's the thing. Sean won't hear us mentioning him because he has already X'd out of this podcast and is, and is subtweeting about it. <laughs> about the hot pocket talk. Uh, yes. you know, if, there, if there's one topic that we talk about in the show that would be more relevant to Sean Sloan's interest, I think the hot pocket discussion. Because the man has never watched a Japanese wrestling match his entire, in his entire life. So I don't know why he still listens, but I think he might hang on for the hot pocket talk. Because he is nothing if not frozen food microwave connoisseur. You know what I mean? Like that, that you know, his shopping cart is filled to the brim with White Castle burgers and hot pockets and lean pockets and and, and protein bowls and 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 he loves you know, those Jimmy Dean breakfast sandwiches. The Jimmy Dean the breakfast stuff, like that's what I mean. Like he he's you know, I, I barely eat anything out of the freezer. I never, ever, ever do, but um you know, more times than not, I'm buying fresh stuff, but no, he he is the master of, of the frozen food stuff. So I, I don't think he's gonna hate this as much as you think he will. But do you think Sean Sloan will make it to the Sean Sloan portion of this podcast? I do, I do. Yes. yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, certainly. He does watch New Japan on Axis. He does do he does that's true. Still. You're right, you're right. Yeah, he like is he sitting there, you know, searching out is he going on the Russian tube to download big Japan shows? Absolutely not. But is he will he tune in to JR and Barnett on Axis? He will. He does do that. He doesn't care that he's four months behind, but he'll watch the New Japan on Axis. Why do I know so much about this man? <laughs> that I don't that I can't answer for you. And by the way. Believe it or not, Rich, this is an ad-free show. We are not doing – there's no None. payola here for Hot mm -mm. Pockets or Nestle. Who? Is, it's Nestle, right? Uh, Nestle is the parent company, yeah. I, I'd be glad to have a Hot Pockets recipe. They should be paying us. Yeah, that they should. Was, I mean because we, we kind of buried the Hot Pocket, but the thing is I guarantee you there's a large chunk of the audience that's going to go buy some Hot Pockets. because. Oh, for sure. No, no. I, like, I'm actually considering when I'm done with the show eating the, another one of those boxes after yeah. having that discussion because it is one of those things, like you said, sometimes there's, sometimes there's food that you're well aware is bad, but you still want. Like you still desire it because it's just like you're in the mood for a Hot Pocket sometimes. You're in the mood for, you know, to take that thing out of that sleeve and, and bite in. So, yeah, no, I think uh, there's – they should pay us. They should definitely. Well, I'll, I'll email them and look for uh, some retroactive payment on this. Why hasn't – like someone else challenged the market share with a different type of hot pocket, like just you know the same kind of pastry filled thing, but just call it something. How are there not competitors? Yeah, I know. There's only like, like I mean, if you go to Aldi, they have obviously their brand of it, but like even grocery stores don't really have a brand. I think hot pocket they just like destroyed the market share where like nobody even bothers. You can't penetrate it. Because it is, we, we're not calling them, you know, whatever the fuck you would call them, pastry sandwiches, you know, microwavable pastry sandwiches. We call them Hot Pockets. Even when you buy the Aldi brand, I call them Hot Pockets. It, it, it says sandwich on the back of the box. That thing's it, not a sandwich. I've never considered that a sandwich ever yet. It's not a fucking sandwich. <laughs> Following up our discussion from last, last week. Yeah, well. it's, a, it's a calzone. It's a little mini calzone is what it is. It's not a fucking sandwich. I don't want to hear that. Nestle can go to hell. It's not a sandwich. Now. I will say this though. Now, the now they're not going to sponsor us anymore. Jeez, you're I'll ruined say it. this with the, with the crisping sleeve. Okay. Well, I'm tired of things being called sandwiches and not sandwiches. It's a calzone. Okay. But the crisping sleeve, Rich, I got to tell you, I forget who it was. I'd love to give credit. It was a listener, I think. They suggested don't cook it with the crisping sleeve because I was always a crisping sleeve guy, right? I've, I'm now, 
I, I'm now a, a naked guy. I'm naked. I'm no crisping sleeve. And I have to tell you, you know what it, for whatever reason, it eliminates blowouts. I don't get nearly as many blowouts in okay. my hot pocket without the crisping sleeve. Cause you get the blowout and then like the molten lava is all over the place and you're trying to take it out of the crisping sleeve and you're burning your fingers. And then, you know, I don't want to waste anything. So I'm wiping up the lava with my finger to lick it off. Cause I don't want to throw it in the garbage. It's all just a disaster, but you do it without the crisping sleeve. And I notice it reduces the blowouts. So there's a little tip for you, Rich. There you go. Take on. it. Take it for next. Yeah, next time after the show. <laughs> now desiring this uh, uh, very much. All right, cool. So that uh, I just wanted to go over that. So sorry not to bump dragon get a little bit more, but uh, I was in the store and I thought of you and I thought of the discussion that we had about the red and the and the white. But uh, as you mentioned, it is a ad ad free show uh, this week. We do want to remind you though, really quickly, uh, Amazon. Voiceofwrestling.com slash Amazon. We know you're going to get half your gifts on Amazon this year anyway, so you might as well just use voicewrestling.com slash Amazon because that helps us out. So there's that. And then uh, if you enjoy Joe and I, you should really consider subscribing to our Patreon where you'll get even more of Joe and I, including Joe's Monday and Thursday TV reviews, uh, my brand new Kings of the Tokyo Dome series recapping each and every January 4th New Japan Tokyo Dome main event leading up to Wrestle Kingdom, uh, the always popular NFL Intelligentsia, Q&As, and much more. Tears start at just one dollar voice wrestling.com slash patreon or patreon.com slash voice wrestling whichever one you want uh and that's it for our ads so now the rest of the show will be all yours as we kind of go over all these different topics and joe uh unfortunately as we said Pac had to get moved and dragging had to get moved but uh we can't lead off the show or we can't really get to the wrestling portion of the show without starting with this and that is the uh the life and the the times and the story and the matches and all that good stuff with uh the dynamite kids so tom billington died at the age of 60 on his own birthday which is some that's some ironic shit. I would hate to die on my own birthday. I, I guess it's, I don't know. Yeah, dying on your birthday is probably pretty terrible. But uh, given where his life had been for, for the last, you know, God, two decades or whatever, it felt like more of a, you know, it, it felt kind of like an inevitability. And I know some people um, were even surprised that he was still kind of hanging on. And it was, it was, it was, it was bad there for a little while for, uh, for Dynamite Kid. But let's talk a little bit about the wrestling of, of, of obviously Tom Billington, Dynamite Kid. Joe, we've, we've talked about it a bunch on the show. I don't know if we've gotten into extreme detail about him, but, you know, one of the most revolutionary wrestlers of all time. I don't think that's that that's ridiculous to say when we're watching today's wrestling, you'd be completely ignorant to not say that, that, that many of today's wrestlers and, and even a generation before them were, were inspired almost directly by dynamite kid, what he did. Yeah. Dynamite kid is easily one of the most influential wrestlers of all time. He's so influential as, as a in-ring talent that he almost has that, you know, like Led Zeppelin quality to him where for like decades after, you know, there were rock bands that were influenced by Led Zeppelin that didn't even realize that they were influenced by Led Zeppelin. It's the same thing with Dynamite Kid. There are, there are wrestlers today who are like directly influenced by Dynamite Kid and don't even know it. That's how influential he is. That's how deep it runs. He, it, 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 it the matches with Tiger Mask and 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 Dynamite Kid and, and you know even the stuff with the Bulldogs. I mean, it it changed everything for uh, you know and particularly wrestlers his size. Now you have to think about when this guy got to WWF in nineteen well late eighty four, but really like nineteen eighty five through you know their you know before the back injury and all that because eighty seven and eighty eight was kind of the backside of their run, but like eighty five and eighty six. You know, when they were um, running up to the titles and then they won the tag team titles at WrestleMania 2, it's like 
Think about what the WWF was in 1985 and 1986. And here is this tiny man who would be a small man even by today's standards, even when he was juiced up on all of the steroids, and to be pushed at his size, you know, is just remarkable and speaks to what he brought to the table as a talent. And, you know, prior to that, the New Japan tours, the stuff in Stampede, he he was doing things, you know, in the early 80s that were way ahead of their time. And he was a, a, a totally a reckless wrestler who had no regard for his body. So in terms of taking just, you know, ridiculous, insane bumps, the most famous of which may be the bump at, at WrestleMania two, um, you know, like basically took a flat back bump to the concrete floor. I mean, off the turnbuckle and, and, you know, he, and he would take bumps like that, you know, all the time. And he just, he just, he just didn't care. He's a guy who was very uh, prideful about his performances. And if you read his book, which I did, and actually I had just reread it, I just finished it, uh, you know, my second or third read of it just uh, about a week ago, um, which is some odd timing. But he's someone who was very obviously proud of his in-ring work, and he he took a lot of shots at, at wrestlers in that book who he didn't feel uh, – who he didn't rate, which is how he put it. Uh, you know, I don't rate him. I guess it's British slang or something. <laughs> and, he would, and he would rank everyone like one out of ten. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, I was uh, I was his mate, but in the ring, I I'd rate him a three, you know. And then he would go proceed to bury the fuck out of this guy who he claims he was friends with, and we'll get to that at half of his uh, story. But um, but yeah, he's a guy who 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 really, you know, in, in an era where it, like now it's commonplace, but like back then, there weren't a lot of wrestlers who took a lot of pride in their bell to bell work rate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like now it's and again, that's part of his influence too, I think. And it's like he was someone who really took pride in his performances at a time when a lot of wrestlers were just concerned about how many people were in the building and how to get the biggest response by doing the least and those sorts of things. And yeah, ultimately his totally reckless and hard and wrestling style, you know, contributed to what put him in a wheelchair for, you know, half of his life. Um, But you know, that that's, that's what he was. And, And if you, and again, if you read the book, at least at the time when he wraps up the book and, and, you know, he, he seemed to have no regrets. He didn't give a shit. He, he lived fast. He lived hard. And it's almost that it's almost like with dynamite kid, you get the idea that this was someone who lived life fast and hard and didn't care whether he lived very long, but unfortunately for him, he did. And he, and he ended up suffering for half of his life because he almost had an extra 20, 30 years tacked on the back end that weren't supposed to be there. Um, but as far as the wrestling, yeah, you know, one of the most influential wrestlers of all time, there's no question about it. You see dynamite kid clones to this day. And again, they don't even realize that they're, that they're aping the guy. They don't even know it. That's how influential he is. And let alone the direct influences, like obviously Chris Benoit is the first one that comes to mind. I mean, you know, the guy would just very clearly idolize dynamite kids, uh, you know, wrestling style and all that. And then, and then you had all those Chris Benoit clones that came around in the early two thousands, who obviously are derivatives of dynamite kid with your, your Davey Richards and your Tony Kazinas and, you know, all your guys like that, uh, you know, that, that the, the scene was littered with them, you know, in, in the early to mid aughts, you know, even people like Eddie Edwards and, and people like that, they're all derivatives of the dynamite kid and, and the junior style changed forever. Uh, you know, uh, with those Dynamite Kid Tiger Mask matches. And I know I'm being long-winded here, and, and I'm going to hand it over to Rich in a second, but one more quick point is it's, you know, 
over time, there are some camps who claim that those matches are overrated and they're not as good as as as, as what people said they were. That's utter utter nonsense. Those Tiger Mask Dynamite Kid matches, they're just they're phenomenal, even to watch today. And and look, they're a little. It's like they're not the smoothest matches, but it's like it it, it it's hard to describe. But they almost they felt like fights in a junior context. I don't know if that makes any sense or how that's coming across, but yeah, there were other uh, junior wrestlers at that time doing, you know, forward thinking dynamic things. Of of course there were, Um, but their matches just felt different because they felt, they felt rough. They felt uh, they were worked in a different way. Plus they had all of the crazy dynamite kid bumps and you know, the crazy, uh, you know, uh, um, the shoot fight elements that Tiger Mask brought, and all of the the uh, the, the new uh, the the speed and the quickness of Tiger Mask, and the new moves that he brought to the table, and they just felt different than everything else at the time. And whether you think those matches are overrated or not, or whether you think that there were people doing better things in 1981 and 1982 and uh, 1983, the fact of the matter is. It's the Dynamite Kid Tiger Mask matches that have stood the test of time and have retained that influence and have retained their reputation. And some of the other stuff has not. So even from that perspective, if if you didn't particularly enjoy them or enjoy them on rewatch as much as you did when you first saw them or whatever the case may be, you have to admit that ultimately their series of matches ended up being uh, the, the defining matches of that era and really the most influential junior matches of all time. No, and, and, and there's something you brought there that I thought was really interesting, and that's usually when, when I talk to people about Dynamite Kid, the thing that I think is his lasting legacy, more so than like, yeah, people can look at, at, at oh, he was you know a high flyer, and he was able to do stuff for for guys under a certain weight and under guys under a certain height, and I, I do agree, yeah, he absolutely is, is, is was transformative in that sense, where he was pushed as being, you know, I think it was 5'8", 225 is what they sort of build him as, and, 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 and yeah, that's probably, but even now, like even if you put a 5'8", 225-pound guy now, I mean, that's still not very big, even in today's era, but I think his more lasting legacy is, as you said, is those Tiger Mask matches. And the reason those sort of stand out a little bit is that Dynamite Kid was such an interesting blend of hard hitting, you know, just stuff that looked like it hurt like hell and, and sometimes probably did hurt like hell, but then also good at the high flying, also good at bumping, also good at that sort of stuff where, you know, you, you saw Chris Benoit is a great derivative of that. Chris Benoit was, uh, was, you know, started out as a junior and very much, you know, felt at the at when, when he first came up like a junior, but then he sort of evolved his style in a little bit and became more of a hard hitter and, and was good at the chops and good at sort of that's, you, you know, those sort of style. And, and there's no real good way to describe it i've heard some people say like american strong style or what like i don't think that's a good way to describe it i just think now i mean we see so many guys today who blend too of of you know a guy like a kenny omega is, is another type that i look at who who blends a little bit of that you know he's gonna hit you with these hard knees he hit you with these hard chops but then he's also gonna flip over the top rope and he's gonna do this and he's gonna do and he's gonna do you know the the, the, the this splash and that splash and that sort of stuff and then also sort of work around with with the high flying even a guy like a bushi is a guy i bring up who, who very much is is great at striking and great at making stuff look like it hurts and being impactful but then also can kind of turn around and do some high flying stuff and i think that's where you really get from dynamite kid where yeah there were probably people doing high flying better than him at that time but that's not what makes those matches special like you said what makes them special is just the the fluidity with with what they were able to do but then also the roughness at times too there was a fluidity to it but then there was also the idea that like yeah it was kind of felt like a fight and it felt like these two dudes really going at each other and that felt different at the time and it and, and it sort of became a, a thing for a while 
Like you have your flippy guys, you have your high flyers and all that sort of stuff. And I think he obviously influenced them by, by being smaller and being pushed or whatever. But I think more the style that maybe we see all the time today. I mean, maybe the most popular style in wrestling today is, is sort of that blended approach of, you know, doing a little bit of high flying, doing dives, but then also being good at chops and being good at kicks and doing that sort of stuff. Even like a Seth Rollins type is a guy who I think derives a lot from from those early Dynamite Kid stuff as well. So I think that to me is even more of his legacy than than strictly just being able to get pushed as as a smaller guy. I, I think it is that blending of the styles and 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 you know being, but but I mean we'll talk about this now in a sec. I mean being pushed as as at his size too was. You know, was was a huge thing as well. But but you know, in a lot of ways, as you said, you know, when you're talking about him being in the wheelchair for the last you know 20 years of his life, a lot of that also was derived from the fact that he still felt like he needed to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and that it wasn't he wasn't able to be what his frame was. He wasn't able to be 170 pounds or whatever. He needed to get bigger and bigger, and bigger. Same thing happened with Davy Boy, and obviously, tragically, the same thing happened with Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero and many others as well. So, in, in some way, he maybe began a little bit of a negative legacy in, in, in terms of like smaller guys thinking that they needed to get bigger, but it, you know, all in all though, they needed, they almost needed to, because those guys all got pushes once they got bigger and, and, and added muscle mass or whatnot, but that also sort of contributed to their life going the way it did. And, you know, many of dynamite's peers ended up dying in their forties. Whereas dynamite, as you said, almost like begrudgingly lived another 20 years in misery where, you know, all of his peers kind of went away they lived hard fast lives but then also died when the, you know when they were in their 40s or early 50s where he you know held on to 60 which doesn't seem very old but given you know the state that he was in fucking in in, in you know 20 years ago I and mean, it's amazing that he even lasted to 60 yeah and i mean you know it, it's he would have been like if he were around today he'd be a 205 live guy i mean you know he there probably wouldn't have been as much pressure uh, to use all of those steroids, although I'm sure there's still guys. I mean, there's obviously still guys using today. Sure. Um, but um, you know, it's it's really at that time when you're five foot eight and 170 pounds. I mean, you really genuinely feel like that's your only path. And everybody was on them anyway at that point in time. So uh, he had, I think, I think he had eight matches against Tiger Mask singles matches between '81 and '83, which is which is the series that everybody talks about and what a lot of people may not realize who haven't watched those matches. And a lot of them are on new Japan world. I actually just pulled it up and there are one, two, three, four, five, six of them are on new Japan world, including uh, the August 30th, 1982 in Madison square garden. um, And a couple of others. There's one house show match, which I don't, maybe a listener could help. I think the one from four, nine 82 isn't even on tape. So I don't think there's no way yeah, that was not in that Dubai. One. So I don't know. I, yeah, that that's going to be a tough one to, 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 <laughs> to grab. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a tricky one. And the others, I know that there's, there's seven others and six of them, I think, are on New Japan World. So um, I, I don't know which one is missing. But here, the, the point I was going to make was well, a lot of people may not realize. And if you're going to go back and watch, you know, these matches, which I recommend you do if you haven't seen them, is he never pinned. Dynamite Kid never pinned Tiger Mask in a singles match. And he only got his hand raised once. You know, he won by count out once, and they had a double count out in another match. But Tiger Mask would consistently beat him over and over, and it would play into the story that they were like, he would get increasingly more frustrated that he could not beat Tiger Mask in a singles match. Now, I think I, he got him a couple times in tags, but not a lot. 
And he, he never pinned him in a singles match and may not have pinned him ever. I don't know the answer to that. If he ever pinned him in a tag. Um, but, but that's an interesting thing too, is we consider this just this landmark, you know, feud and this highly influential and, and one guy never beat the other, which is why I always say it's not necessarily, you know, it's how you tell the story. It doesn't have to be, you can tell a good story where one wrestler is dominant over the other. Is, is basically what I'm getting at here because people don't even remember that dynamite kid that it's not like these guys traded wins and people don't really remember that. They just remember how, you know, so, so far ahead of their time, the matches were and how dynamic they were and how crazy some of the spots were and how they blew away, you know, the crowds at the time, which is really the best barometer of all. Yeah, you know? oh, for and, sure. Yeah, I mean, they wowed the crowds. I, Whether they wowed you in, in in retrospect in 2018 or whatever, I mean, listen to those crowds. I mean, they they and and it it went even to WWF crowds as well. I mean, there's that Madison Square Garden match, which is not very good. It's probably the the worst one of their little series or whatnot. But even that crowd in a little bit starts to kind of get it, and they're used to seeing this is 1982 WWF. I mean, you know what I mean? Like we're not getting, you know, th- this sort of style of younger dudes going in there or, or smaller guys going in there and doing you know the, the, the match that they were going to have was not what they saw up and down the card and, and and you can tell when it first starts there's a little bit of like oh what the hell are these guys doing they get them at the end i mean it's not a very long match i think it only goes about seven minutes but they get that crowd towards the end and, and like i said it's it's not one of the better ones but i think it speaks to how great those two were because they got a crowd that didn't give a shit about them in msg and got them on their feet and got them excited by the end of it it's the august 5th 82 is the other match that is not on new japan world so the match from dubai in April, and then the August 5th, 1982 match is the one that's not. Yeah, that one could be found pretty easily, I, I will say, because I believe I embedded that in the article that we did uh, earlier today. Wow. Liam Byrne uh, wrote an article for us on uh, the Dynamite Tiger match, so you can find that easily. So watch the other ones on New Japan World, and then, yeah, fill in the gaps. The, the Dubai one, I, you probably shot out of luck on that one, but that uh, the 8582 one could be found pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, we'll double-check on that one. If that one, if, if, if Rich's memory is good there, then, yeah, you can watch all of them that are on tape. Um, their singles matches. And, and, you know, I did one of the first things I did when new Japan world rolled out a couple of years ago was watch all of those matches in order. It's one of the first things I did on new Japan world, because there were some that I hadn't never seen, you know, I had seen the famous ones and, and the others I, you know, had not seen. So I watched them all in order and you really get a better picture of what they were doing when you watch them in order as well. So, um, yeah, just you know, a classic series of matches, and and to me, in my opinion, a lot of people say they don't hold up. I think they hold up. I do. Um, so you know that that's they they don't hold up in a I don't know. It, 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 it's it's kind of a weird thing, Rich. I don't think I'd be throwing five stars in any of these matches in in 2018. But you know, you put these matches on you know any high level indie show, or you put them on a new Japan show today. I'm not coming away from these matches saying that what I saw sucked. I mean, I'm coming away from these matches saying, wow, that was really fucking good. They, they would actually even feel different today because there's just a different level of ferocity to them. You know, it's just, it's hard to explain unless you watch them. No, I, th- I think they hold up. I, I think they hold up a lot. Well, I watched a few of them earlier today, and I, I think they still fucking rock. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. they're different, as you said. They they would, but like you said, I don't think they'd even be out of place on an indie show. It'd feel like a blood feud on an indie show. Like you know what I mean? It's just yes. like there's a little just bit of extra oomph with everything that those guys do. And you know, like you said, Tiger Mask does a little bit more of the submissions and and, and a little bit more of the shit kicks, style the stuff. Kicks. And yeah, yeah. And great kicks. Like no, I think it would fit. 
perfectly. It would just feel like a grudge match more than anything on an indie show. It felt very, you know, yeah, it had that 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 roughness to it, like you said. Uh, but at times, like I said, they also made it look so effortless as well. So no, it's really really good stuff. So no, I think they definitely uh, hold up pretty well. Some some fun things about this as well. Um, some fun facts about the, the Tiger Mask Dynamite Kid. Uh, Tiger Mask's first match was against Dynamite Kid, and he beat him, which was an interesting thing at the time because that was a big upset at the time for Tiger Mask to beat Dynamite Kid. And like you said, it played into the story a little bit where it's like, ah, damn it, he got me that one time. I'll get him next time, and then ah, I'll get him next time and next time and night, and it just built up and built up and built up and built up from there. But yeah, in the debut, having Tiger Mask come and and, and beat him right away. Uh, pretty interesting. Also, the first uh, five-star match of all time of Dave Meltzer's uh, uh, ranking as well. 1983, that one from uh, Sumo Hall, 1983, uh, was the first match he ever gave five stars. So it can be very upset at him now for and say, why didn't he give it five and a half or whatever? But uh, yeah, no, definitely um, that series there. And then as far as like the rest of his you know, career, you know, his WWF stuff, and I think that's probably where the majority of our listeners have seen, but I think the Tiger Mask stuff is probably not connect with that in a lot of ways, but you know, for you, I know that was your era of, of, of WWF tag team wrestling or whatnot. How did, you know, how did you like his stuff with the bulldog, you know, with, with, uh, you know, Davey boy as the bulldogs and, and the stuff leading up to it. It, it, it felt like, it felt like it got kind of the, the rug kind of got pulled out from us before it could really, really get going in my mind. At least I feel like there's probably, you know, a, a few years that would have been pretty awesome to see them, you know, in that, division but uh you know all in all how did you think that the british bulldogs were and 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 you know what they they did as in, in the tag division obviously they're you know one of the greatest teams of all time i mean it was phenomenal and 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 the stuff that i immediately point to and this isn't exactly um you know me trying to be edgy or reinvent the wheel it's the it's the house show matches against the heart foundation i mean they never had a pay-per-view match but they had you know they worked those house show loops it's you know what seemed like endlessly and those house show matches against the Hart Foundation, and they're plentiful. You can find them on YouTube. You can, I'm sure there's some on the network. I mean, I, I'd be stunned if there's not. There's probably at least one or two. Um, you know, they're all over the place because they wrestled, uh, you know, um, against each other a billion times in the house shows, and those matches were never less than good. I mean, and again, the thing about them was in those days with the schedule those guys worked and just the nature of the company, uh, the house style and those sorts of things, a lot of times wrestlers would take, you know, these house show matches off and it was just a lack of effort. We've all been through, uh, I'm sure all of the listeners have been through the vault on the network and watched some of those mid eighties WWF house shows. And they're not pretty. A lot of those matches are, are, you can, you can tell that there's just, you know, lack of effort, lots of rest holes. These guys are tired and they're beat up and they've been on the road for, you know, 37 straight days and they're working the same opponent every night and they're bored and they're tired and, and, you know, and it's and it was always a, a big man company where you didn't have to have super work rate, um, you know, to get over with the fans and those sorts of things. So they didn't. But these Hart Foundation British Bulldog matches were always worked at a, at a, at a hard pace. Always. And that's what I'm talking about with Dynamite Kid. The guy was nuts. Like, he never just took it easy, you know, which explains a lot about where his health went. But, you know, you'd see him taking, you know, crazy bumps and doing things that they really didn't need to do. And, you know, Maple Leaf Garden on a Wednesday night in 1986. I mean, you didn't have to do that. But, you know, they, and they would very often, more often times than not, have the best match on the house show. And that's the stuff that I would immediately point to. Watch the stuff before he injured his back. After he injured his back, look, he was still a very good wrestler. But it, it, everything, it, it wasn't the same Dynamite Kid. And it wasn't the same British Bulldogs. He injured his back while they held the tag team titles. Okay, I think most people noticed, but we'll go over it. And then he injured his back, and 
And if, uh, you know, you read the book, he wouldn't, they, they want him to send the title back to the office. They even sent Bret Hart to go get the title. <laughs> in his hospital bed, in the yeah. hospital bed, <laughs> and he wouldn't give it to him because look, and it's, it's not because he was a mark for being a champion. It's because he didn't want to give up the titles because then they wouldn't headline the B shows anymore. And they wouldn't semi-main event the A shows. They, they'd lose their spot on the card and they wouldn't make as much money. One thing about this guy, if you read his book too, is all about whatever is most beneficial to his bottom line. You know, which is ironic again because he died broke. But you know, as prime, it was always he was playing New Japan and All Japan against each other. It was refusing to give the belt back to Vince McMahon because he he wanted to come back as tag team champion to retain that spot at the top of the house shows and all those sorts of things. It was always about the money, okay? And he didn't want to give that title up. And uh, so they ended up bringing him back just to drop the titles to the Hart Foundation. And this match, I know for a fact, is on the network because I just saw it in the Jim Neidhart collection when he died. Uh, they put that in there because it was the Hart Foundation's first title win. It's not any kind of a match. Dynamite literally can't stand. They carry him to the ring off camera. Uh, you know, so so you, you can't see that. You don't know he's hurt. And then they do the gimmick where I think Jimmy Hart hits him with the megaphone, I think. Or Neidhart. Someone yeah, hits somebody, him somebody walks over and, and decks him. I forget why. And he just lays on the apron the rest of the match. Yeah, <laughs> so he takes a bump and just lays there. And then the Hart Foundation double teams Davey Boy Smith and they win the titles in a very short, quote-unquote, match. It's more of an angle than a match, but that's how they got the title. The title is off of them. And it was obviously he was going to be out for a long time. He comes back from the back injury, and they're not the same. And, you know, they feud with the Islanders. And, you know, they have – they. They have the uh, six-man tag at WrestleMania. What was it? Where it was uh, the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware versus the Islander versus uh, who was it? Was it the Islanders and, and Bobby Heenan? Because they had a six-man too uh, a couple years earlier where it was – no, it was the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis against uh, the Bulldogs. I'm confusing two different matches here. But yeah, the point yeah, here, yeah, they, yeah. They, they had two of those six-man tags. The only real straight up tag match they had on a mania was WrestleMania two, which was the, um, the, the title win over the dream team. Yeah. It was beefcake and beefcake and Greg Valentine, which is really, I mean, for, for the name, like I'm, <laughs> I'm not a big Greg Valentine fan and I'm not a big beefcake fan at all, but those, that match rocks. That match is so far and away the best thing on WrestleMania two. Uh, one of the best things on the early WrestleManias, I'd say before, obviously, you know, Savage and Steamboat kind of changed the game there, but that's a really, really good match. I mean, it doesn't hold up quite as well today, but it, it, it's still really solid. Like you said, you know, bookended by the, the incredible bump that, 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 uh, that dynamite takes as well. So yeah, and, and then you know, then he hurt his back, and then WrestleMania three and WrestleMania four, they were in six man tags, um, which you know, one had Danny Davis in it, the other had Bobby Heenan in it, and I think it wasn't it. I think it was the I think it was the Islanders and Bobby Heenan versus uh, British Bulldogs and Coco. <sighs> yeah, I'm Second, trying to figure out who team. Yeah, let me four. find out who the team because I just remember Bobby Heenan like the the dog, you know, outfit or whatever because he didn't want to well, get the Islanders. The the big angle to set that up as as the producer digs it up. The big angle to set that Tito, up was the, Tito Santana. Tito. Okay. So it was Tito and the Bulldogs against Heenan and the Islanders, right? They, uh, oh, no. So WrestleMania 3 was, was, was Tito and the Bulldogs. Which one are you talking about? WrestleMania 4. WrestleMania 4. Okay. That one was Heenan and the Islanders. Coco Beware and the British Bulldog. Okay. You were correct on that one. So it was Coco. All right. So we wasted a lot of time. And I, I Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Just it was Coco Just want to clarify. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't want the tweets. I just want to clarify. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, WrestleMania 3. When they teamed with Tito, they faced Hart Foundation right, and Danny right, Davis. Right. Which, in that one, that was the culmination of sort of that Danny Davis angle where he was the heel ref. He was actually the ref in the title change, too, which, which was part of the angle. 
So then, you know, he, so that match was kind of gimmicky because you had Danny Davis, who, who was a wrestler, by the way, he was Mr. X, you know, for all those years. And there's actually a really good Mr. X versus leaping Lanny Poffo match that people should seek out, but that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, so that was, you know, the six man match with Danny Davis was kind of gimmicky. And then the six man match at four with Bobby Heenan was kind of gimmicky and they're fine for what they are, but that's post back injury. So really, you know, it was WrestleMania two was the only real high profile straight up tag team showcase for the Bulldogs. You really got to dig into the house shows is really what I'm circling back to here, Rich. You got to dig into the house shows and you got to do pre back injury house shows, which is very easy to pinpoint. Okay. Everything before they lost the titles, that's where you need to look in terms of those house show matches and really focus on the heart foundation because some of the teams, I mean, when you're dealing with iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, look, you know, what do you want them to do? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's... You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's, you know, so, but you know, there's other teams too. I mean, maybe you get some hidden gems against like Orton and Morocco or somebody like that, but it's really the hard foundation stuff that you want to key in on. And they had that one match after they left um, that got booked against the rock and roll express, which was a huge like dream match at the time. I think it was in 1989 or 1990. Um, it was a not, I don't think it was an AWA show. I think it was like a, maybe AWA co-promoted show with central States or something like that. I can't quite remember. Um, but they had a match against the rock and roll express, which people were like, wow, this is a team that, you know, one team was in Crockett that whole time. The other team was in WWF that whole time. They're both considered two of the best teams in the world. And then it just didn't, it was a two star special, which was very disappointing. Yeah. It was run and by the world wrestling Alliance, WWA. Do you remember who those, I, I don't exactly remember what the world wrestling Alliance was. It took, it took place in Kansas city as well, but I don't, yeah, I don't recall. I think it was central I mean. state. I think that's the derivative of central states. If I remember correctly, but it's bad. It's yeah. 89 is when everybody decided, Oh, well, Vince McMahon's going to take over the world. Well, we're going to make like bigger conglomerates of wrestling. And it did. Yeah. It, it, like everybody did that, you know, AWA joined up and they did the super clashes and all these, all these companies decided, Hey, let's all join forces and be one big company. And that of course uh, did not work out very well because you are not aware of WWA anymore, central States wrestling. But yeah, I think if I remember correctly, it was, the, it, it, it grew from central States, but was some collection of other talents or, or other promotions, I should say. And I do think Vern was involved in that too. So I think it was AWA and Central States and a couple other promotions. But it just – look, that match is worth watching. And that's on the network too. That match is on the network. I don't know who the hell they bought that tape from. Probably Vern. There you go. That's the connection. I bet you Vern was involved in that and he owned the tape. But um, that's a better question for like between the sheets. They'll, 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 Zellner will know that off the top of his head. But that's probably the connection there. But um, that match is on the network. I do think that's worth watching for historical purposes. Have you ever seen that match, Rich? Uh, you know, I don't believe I have. So I'm going to actually have to check that out at some point. I mean, even though it's not a great match and even it's like 30 minutes long and it's like a two and a half star match, which makes it worse. But it's like there's a historical aspect to it because you're watching the Bulldogs wrestle the Rock and Roll Express. And that's just cool as fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's really cool to watch like four and a half star fucking matches. But it's also really cool to watch two Hall of Fame tag teams. Uh, you know, Hall of Fame level tag teams, uh, you know, wrestle each other in an incredibly super rare match of two teams that were on top at the same time in two different promotions. So, so real quickly, I just want to kind of clarify the uh, the WWA thing because I, I was kind of interested in it as well because I was curious how they got the tape. So, uh, in 1986, Bob Geigel was the one who obviously ran the company because I, uh, you know, yeah. from Central States or whatever. Uh, he sold it to Crockett. He or can't, I can't say it's what I to say. Uh, yeah. I sold it to Crockett in 86. So, Crockett then ran the territory until February 87. Then Geigel brought the, commo- the promotion back. 
And then that's when he decided, oh, we need to, you know, to compete with McMahon and compete on the national scale. We're going to call ourselves the World Wrestling Alliance or whatever. And that ended up like another year later. So the reason that they have the tape library is technically WCW owns it for some reason or owned it at one point it was so they don't have any of the tapes or they don't really have very many tapes of anything prior to 86 but they have 86 until 88 or whatever because for whatever reason in some sort of transaction or whatever wcw slash crockett or whatever uh got the tapes back from him uh but then yes that that is why that one so so everybody does own the tapes library of that because of, of you know from the wcw sales so so they own the dying days of Geigel's promotion. Yes, yeah. Because WCW owned those tapes for some reason with some business shenanigans. Yeah, who knows? Okay, yeah. All right. So Vern wasn't involved then. I, I stand corrected. But um, but yeah. So that that would be some stuff uh, as far as the British. Yeah, I, I would say real quickly look. too. In, in another tag team one, real. Uh, I know that when I was yeah. going through my watch through of All Japan, uh, old All Japan, is that when they they then you know left WWE and then went to back to All Japan uh, before David Boy bounced and, and went back to to, to WWF. Uh, they had some really. They, there's a few good matches. 89 and like early 90. I want to say 91 or so. I know the 89, there's a match with the Malinkos that's pretty cool that I remember popping up on and being like, oh, the British Bulldogs. All right, here we go. That is pretty hard-hitting, pretty good back-and-forth stuff. And then the prop, the, the, the cool thing with it, I think this was already by the time Bulldog had left, but you had Dynamite Kid with, with Johnny Saint, of course, but then he's sort of getting into the tale of or the beginnings of like the Kobashi era and the Kawada era and Kikuchi and those sort of guys. And I forget what combination of matches he has, but I remember one popping up there with Saint and Dynamite Kid versus I want to say I, I Kawada and then I forget who the guy was. I could probably look it up on, on Cage Match to try to find it. But I remember that being a pretty cool one as well. And that was either, you know, late 1990, early 91 or whatever. Cause because he did kind of tail. I mean, this was the very tail end of his career or whatnot, but he was kind of bookending then now with those guys, the guys kind of making their rise up from the from the undercard, the, you know, the pillars and all that sort of stuff. So there's some fun, you know, kind of interaction between, you know, him and, and some of the guys that I think also were were in some ways inspired by him uh, oh, a yeah. little bit as well. So yeah, the, the Kawada and, and they- Kobashis and, and, and Masai. Wasn't those sort of names. And he was still an excellent wrestler post back surgery, but it just he just wasn't. There was just it just wasn't quite the same. And I, his WWF stuff, without question, peaked before the back surgery. There's no question about it. As far as uh, if you want to trust Rich, do you trust the cage match inmates? Do you trust those? Inmates? Uh, yeah, the inmates are usually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's basically what we said in terms of the singles matches against Tire Mask, the WWF MSG matches easily the lowest rated match among the cage match inmates, which is odd because it might be the most watched of the two matches that they've had. Um, but yeah. And, and the best match, of course, like you said, the, the last one, the 1983 match that Dave went five stars on, uh, that's got a 9.07 rating with 80 votes. So it got the most votes by far. Uh, the, the second most voted upon match is the, is the 1982 match from MSG with 26 votes. So even with 80 people voting for it, it's still over uh, nine on cage match on their 10 point scale. So it averages 9.07. Dave gave it five stars. I got plenty of votes. There's plenty of sample size there, you know, and the rest of them range from, from, uh, from low eights to high sevens, uh, the rest of the series. So, and yeah, and that Dubai match is just, I, I don't, I don't think that that was filmed. Yeah, I don't think I've, be, I've never seen that one. That would be a Holy grail. If somebody could find it that would, somewhere. that'd be a yeah. Holy grail thing where just because it's the only missing singles match that they've had. And, you know, hopefully someone had a fan cam or something that will be found in someone's basement in Dubai or in Japan somewhere. And that's really the only way. Cause, um, I don't think that that, that show uh, was filmed, but yeah, you're absolutely right. 
Bulldogs have those all Japan tags too. And then, you know, late, late, later, much later, he teamed with Johnny Smith after the falling out with Davy Boy. And I guess that's a good transition. Oh, I, said, to, I said Johnny Saint, didn't I? I meant Johnny Smith, of course. Oh, did you say, I, I, even I said you. Johnny Saint. Yeah, I, I, I don't know for a fact, but if I did, I meant Johnny Smith, not Johnny Saint, because that would be a, that'd be an interesting pairing, old Dynamite Johnny Saint. In, and they the, may have crossed against Kawada. Against Kawada would have been pretty incredible, but uh, I they don't think actually, that happened. Yeah. They may have actually crossed pads, not in all Japan, but right, it's right. possible that Johnny Saint and Dynamite Kid um, – Cross pads. I don't remember point. if I said Johnny Saint or not, but yeah, in case I meant Johnny Smith when I said Johnny Saint, I was looking at I was looking at an image of NXT UK, looking at our future topics. That's probably what got me uh, in a Johnny Saint mood there. But uh, were they the they were the British Bruisers? Maybe I think the yeah, it was some Bruisers. It was very close to British Bulldogs because obviously the the, the story was you know Bulldog up from under him bought the trademark for British Bulldog and then went and took that over to WWF with him. So I think they were the British Bruisers, if I remember correctly. So yeah, I think it was British Bruisers or something like that. And Johnny Smith was pushed as Davy Boy Smith's brother. It was the idea. Um, I think it, at least in some promotions, that was the case. Um, so that was the idea behind that. But that obviously did not have the same kind of dynamic. They worked in stampede too, not mm-hmm. just soldier Japan right. as the, as the British Bruisers. Um, and I think, uh, yeah. And then, of course, there's his he, his final match was in 1994. And that has all over the place on YouTube, where he is just completely dilapidated. Can't you know? He can barely move. And um, he's an absolute. Fit. Yeah, his gear is like six sizes too big. He's skinny. Yeah. It, it's 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 not great. I, I I started watching it earlier, and then I said, I you know, I'm I'm really not going to watch this match. It, it was just. It was weird, yeah. Ninety six, I think, was that one in Michinoku. Pro. Oh, ninety six, yeah, yeah. And it's Michinoku just like Pro. it's got a lot of it's got Dos Caras and 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 Kobayashi and Momaskaris and the Great Sasuke and Tiger Mask, and you're like, oh, okay. And then like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, you probably shouldn't watch it. He, he, t- he talks about it in the book, and and you know he was apprehensive to do it, and you know he it was a good payoff and all that, and um, but you know he 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 knows it was shit, and he knows that he could barely move, and it was just yeah, it, it's kind of like. Uh, you know, I, I think that's interesting to watch too, to see how it all, you know, ended for him. But um, I guess it's a good transition to talk about the other side of Dynamite Kid, which um, he was a pretty horrid human being. Um, pretty bad dude, yeah. <laughs> did a lot of deplorable things. And it's like, the one thing I want to say though, is it's kind of annoying. It's that, you know, you can discuss human beings from several different point of views. You know, that's okay. And it's like, there's just this habit where, you know, the, the worst of social media is when somebody dies. It's just, it's the worst. You know, it's like, you know, everyone has to come out and make sure that everyone knows that they know that's, that this person was a horrible person. It's like, it, it, and it's done in such a way where it's, you know, it, it's, we all know Dynamite Kid's history and, 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 and the horrible things that he did and, and, it's like someone saying, oh, man, Dynamite Kid died. I liked watching him wrestle. You know, it's not necessary to quote tweet that person and, and you know, run them down and embarrass them and, and talk about how Dynamite Kid is canceled and, and is such a terrible person and all these and, and just embarrass the person who is just, you know, a little taken back by the fact that somebody they were a fan of when they were a kid died. I mean, there's just no reason to do that. And it's you get into like the, the, the it's like this push pull on social media, which we see all the time. It's like one side has to overcompensate for the other side. It's like, there can be a conversation as the person as a whole, because you're, it's like, it's almost like people will see praise of the dead person 
And then they have to say, well, I have to counterbalance this. And I have to let everybody know that at least I know that I canceled this person because they did this, this, that, and the other thing. And, and, then, and then people on the other side go, well, people are talking shit about this person I admire. So I've got to try to whitewash that. And, just, and then it becomes a, a tug of war and a battle, and it's stupid. Okay, We can talk about people in three dimensions and, and talk about exactly what they were, the good, the bad, the indifferent, the in-between, and everything. And you know, it doesn't have to be an absolutes all the time. It, it doesn't have to be that way. We could talk about Dynamite Kid, the performer, and like we just did for 20, 25 minutes or whatever it was. And then we could talk about Dynamite Kid, the man, which is an entirely different topic. And you can have both of those conversations. One doesn't wipe out the other. You, you don't have to ignore that he was an, an exceptionally shitty person. And you don't have to ignore that he was a tremendous pro wrestler. You know, you can talk about both of those things. And it's just, I, I, I can't stand this thing now where it's just, we go out of our way and, and this in dynamite kids case, it's all obvious. And in fact, he pointed it all out. And, and that's, I think that's the thing that's, it, it's not like it was ever a giant cover up, and it's like, Hey, do you guys don't know this guy was a bad dude? Like he'll readily admit I was a gigantic fucking dickhead and I'm an asshole to everybody I've ever met. And that's the reason why I sit by myself in my wheelchair and nobody comes and visits and nobody gives a shit about me. Cause I was a deplorable person my entire life. Like that's fine. That's why my wife left me. And I'm here, you know, sitting here, obviously with my second wife or whatever, sitting in a wheelchair with nobody having sympathy for me. Cause I was a giant dickhead. Like he readily admits that and readily gives that information out to you that that he was a gigantic piece of shit he you know, wrote and a fine. fucking book and told everybody that he, <laughs> right. he held nothing back i mean he, he everything is in the fucking book he tells you how horrible he is and he tells you that it was horrible right. i deserve gonna... everything that i have right now because yes. i'm a bad person my entire life <laughs> you know it's like you know I, I can't i can't hate a guy who just looks himself in the mirror and goes yeah i i, I fucking sucked when i was younger I'm a, I, I was a piece of shit and i'm a bad dude You're like whatever you, you know like and it, it's it, it's stuff where you know a lot of the stuff too is is just yeah it's a lot of you know the, the stuff that we go back on and the stuff that we really look at and, and and yeah there there was a lot of deplorable things he did a lot of it was you know just kind of the stuff that he you know the old ribs and all that sort of shit but there's there's much worse stuff that he did of course oh, yeah. but but yeah it's like for me i and, and i mentioned that in the tweet earlier is like he has a complicated legacy because like we just right here we just did 30 minutes about how revolutionary it was how incredible he was and now we're doing this part where we're like yeah but he was also just a piece of shit human being like a really really bad dude but yeah like you said there there's there's an inclination that you cannot have enjoyed his art because he was a bad dude. And, and and I don't think that's really fair. I I am always, and I'm good about that. And I get, and we talk about all the time where some people can't do it. I'm always somebody that can, can in some cases separate the art from the artist. It, it's, it's not universal. There are some cases where you can't, but sure. in, in, in dynamite kids case, I've always been able to rationalize it a little bit of like, yeah, the guy's an absolute piece of crap. And, 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 and he knows he's a piece of crap and he's not hiding anything. He's well aware of it, but you know, I've always really liked his work and I, I've been able to do that. And I get, maybe it's a little, you know, a little hypocritical because there's some times where I can not separate that art from the artist, but there are times where I, I, I can, and I just kind of rationalize that with myself, but no, he's a guy that, that, that he's very complicated in that sense where, yeah, I, I readily will talk for 30, 40 minutes about how great he was, but then, yeah, we also, I have no problem going on this part and saying, yeah, I know he's also a deplorable human being. Yeah. And I don't understand why you can't have both conversations or why you, it's like one conversation has to shout down the other. It doesn't have to be that way. And uh, yeah, it's like you said, there's always a line, you know, if, if somebody doesn't want to listen to R. Kelly songs anymore, I'm okay with that. But if I stop at a red light and the guy next to me is listening to an R. Kelly song, I don't judge him. I don't roll down my window and, and tell him that he's canceled. I, you know, it doesn't, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it's, 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 every, we all have our own line with that stuff. And, um, you know, and, and then the thing about Dynamite Kid is, is like I said, it's very obvious. I mean, he, he told the world what a horrible fucking 
uh, human he was uh, for a lot of his time on Earth. And it's like, um, you know, it's, it's, but a lot of that too was, was 80s wrestling culture. And you're just never going to find out about that kind of stuff when it comes to some other people because they're not going to write a book and tell you about it. So it's like, I'm not yeah, there, there's guys that no, there's guys that have done equal or, or work sure. shit, but they're buddies with people, so everybody just covers it up or, or whatever. And yeah. I, I'm not naming names, but we know the '80s culture. It's just the fact that Dynamite was such a raging dickhead that everybody had no problems telling him that that you know and, and and spoofing off of what he did or whatnot. And then he was also such an open book too because he just like he had no reason to kind of hide or, or protect himself or anybody else. So he was able to kind of say the stuff that he did as well. But no, there there are guys, probably countless guys that have done stuff on, on some levels, not discounting what he did whatsoever. But you're saying though, is, is, is some guys get a cover. I mean, you're, you're not telling like, I, I, I don't want to name names, but you know, there, there are, yeah, yeah. there's probably teams and guys we've mentioned earlier in the show that have done just as awful of stuff, but you know, they're cool dudes and, and, and people like them. So, you know, it gets it's, forgiven well, and mean, over the rug it, a little bit. So. Yeah, and just stuff you'll never ever gonna find out because you know they're not gonna write a book, um, you know. But uh, but yeah, he did he did horrible things. I mean, it was obvious he didn't get along with with Davy Boy Smith at all. He buries him constantly in the book. He, um, you know, played awful pranks on him that could have affected his health. You know, with the fake steroid shots and you know giving steroids to the dog to Matilda the fucker and like just horrible things that you know the, the stuff he did to his wife. You know, with the shotgun and 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 just you know the the mental abuse and I don't remember if there was physical abuse, but I guess it doesn't matter. I yeah, mean, I I don't know if that ever. I think most of it was mental. Yeah, there was the one. I there was one that I heard about where he you know filled like a toilet tank with like lighter fluid or gas or whatever because his manager in it was I think it was in England. I'm blanking on the name or maybe Stampede. Uh, his manager in Stampede always smoked cigarettes on the pot, and he knew that one. You know, when he was done, he was going to throw a cigarette in there, and then it would light on fire and like light gas <laughs> fire. Could have like, fucking deplorable. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you yeah. psychopath. Why are you doing that? It's like, and that was like his manager. It's like, ah, I got you with a rib. And it's like, that's not a fucking rib, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, yeah, you, you know, and he did these horrible things to Davy Boy Smith and painted it like he was in the right. And, you know, the famous Jacques Rougeau sucker punch. And, you know, he painted it. Look, if Jacques Rougeau wrote a book or Davy Boy Smith wrote a book, they probably have very different takes on all of these stories, you know, and, and, and Jacques Rougeau would probably find a way to, to very much justify, you know, knocking his teeth out of his mouth in that hallway. And, and Davy Boy Smith would probably very much find a way to justify buying the trademark underneath them and, and sneaking away and not talking to him. And, and, you know, he painted Davy Boy Smith as basically a simpleton who, you know, he was carrying from both a business sense and a wrestling sense. And you'd get probably get a very different side of it from from the other from the other side if you know, but unfortunately he's dead too. Um and he was only thirty-nine when he died. I know, I read that earlier. I was like, Jesus, I thought he was a lot older than that. He was thirty-nine, Joe. <laughs> like not even in his forties, but it's God. You know, when you start wrestling, it's like these luchadors, they're never as old as you think because they all start when they're teenagers, and it was the same for these two. You know, they both started when they were teenagers and, you know, he wasn't even 40 years old when he died. But yeah, Dynamite Kid was, a, a you know, a well known to be just a horrible person and, and didn't have many friends left. And, um, you know, there were still people who, who were friendly with him and few and far between. But uh, but he knew what he was and everybody knows what he is. And, um, you know, it's 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 uh, it's something that it's just the, the greater point to me is that, you know, we can have both conversations. It's, it's, it's so silly to me that uh, some people want to ignore the bad facets of these celebrities. And then there's other people who, 
who just want to pound you over the head with that and 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 nothing and and in his case he was just so awful that it's easy but then you see other cases of it where rich it used to be a running thing that i would track like every time someone famous dies it's someone always digs something up like oh well look you know he did this in 1974 and and you know he's canceled and it's like – it's people look for these things sometimes. And with, with that in my kid, you don't have to look very far. I mean, <laughs> no, it's pretty easy to find this. Yeah. An awful person. But it, a lot of times you look – and I remember it's funny. It's like for two years straight, every time someone died, you know, you know, you use keyword search actually bad. The only celebrity where nobody turned on them after they died and canceled them, I couldn't find a single tweet was Tom Petty. He's the only one. Tom when Petty, wow, yeah. Tom oh. Petty, I could not find a single – actually bad tweet about tom petty but you name anybody else any actor any musician any wrestlers obviously because they're all fucking nuts um you know and and there's someone will come out of the woodwork someone with a flower crown avatar or you know some ultra woke will find a reason that you rich Krage, you're a bad person because you know, you tweeted out, wow, uh, fucking Stan Lee died or whoever the fuck. You know, I, that's someone who just died recently. You know, whoever the case may be. Oh, 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 you liked Tom Petty? Well, did you know in 1969 he fucking whatever the fuck? You know what I mean? It's like, who cares? You know, but there's always someone there ready to do that. And it, it, it I don't know. That stuff, it just, it, it rubs me the wrong way. And when someone does have a history of shitty things, it's okay to have both conversations. You know, you, we can be... We can be more sophisticated than just focusing on everything that was good or everything that was bad. All right. Any thoughts, any last things on Dynamite Kid before we move on to our other topics here? No, fuck him. He's canceled. <laughs> He's canceled. You know who's not canceled, Joe? Who's not canceled? Pac isn't canceled. He is your no. new Dream Gate champion. This, uh, we're recording this on the 5th uh, yesterday. Dragon Gate had a Cork and Hall show December 4th. Pac won the Dreamgate in an awesome main event. I uh, watched the main event. I know you did as well, so we're going to talk about that. Also, we had Doy Darts on the show as well. But um, there was, uh, let, let's, of course, the big thing is, is the Open Dreamgate Championship match is Pac defeating Yoshino uh, to win the title. Uh, Yoshino falls in his fifth defense, and Pac becomes the 28th champion. I believe the first uh, British born Dreamgate champion. I believe the first guy, or the first guy since uh, Ricochet. I think who won it 2014 or 15. I forget when Ricochet won it, but uh, we talked about it last week. We weren't quite sure if he was going to win it or not. We kind of were like, ah, I think the buzz maybe is, is more of a Western buzz or whatnot. It wasn't. I mean, this was a quick sellout for Corkin and man, that show was red hot. This match was red hot. Pox, Pox back, man. Dragon gates back. This was awesome. This was so, so cool. What did you think of this match and this moment and everything kind of leading up to it? Yeah, he's, you know, he's, he has revived the company, that we have talked about a lot as going through a real rough stretch. So, um, you know, the match itself was to me, and I've talked about this on the show. I don't remember if it was here or the TV reviews. I think it was here. I've talked about it on this show that it's like ever since Pac has gone under, you know, has become bastard Pac or King of the Cruiserweights Pac, whatever you want to call him, since he, you know, turned heel in WWE, he's kind of wrestled in a different way. and. The, the, the dirty secret about Pac is he he hasn't really been going out there and having match of the year contenders. In fact, a lot of his 205 live matches were good, but they were very rarely great. Outside of the Austin Aries series, I, I don't think he had great matches. 
post heel turn. He had really good matches every time, but his character work and his charisma and his promos brought those matches up a level, which is fine. That's all part of pro wrestling. And, you know, his persona and all that is just so tremendous. And he, and that's continuing in Dragon Gate. Rich, I don't know if you, did you watch the intermission or a lot of people just fast forward the intermission if you're watching on delay, but there was a, a period in the intermission where they sent an interviewer in the back to talk to Pac and he was back there doing push-ups, preparing for the match. And he just ran down this poor interview man for daring to interrupt his push-ups. And, you know, it looked like he was going to kill the guy. And it's just, it never stops with him. And he's another one of these guys we talk about. His Twitter persona. He's nailing it. He's nailing it right now. He's, yeah, it's its its all kayfabe and it's great. And he's someone who is in, from the MJF school of thought, where I am always going to be in character and I'm going to get myself over on social media in this way. And he's and 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 it works for him. And 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 it's just so great. I mean, he's he's in the pantheon of great wrestling Twitter people right now with Becky Lynch and you know whoever else you want to throw in there. Those are the two right now, Pac and Becky Lynch. I mean, they're just they're killing it. And um, and he's bringing that. Um, uh, he's brought that. I believe he's even he's improved upon this persona in Dragon Gate. I think um, in some ways, and I thought he was great in WWE. Well, because so, what he's adding now is a little bit more of the the foreign invader to it as well. We'll talk about that in the yeah. match itself. I mean, a lot of it was very much like I'm, you know, looking down upon Japan and 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 you guys, and I'm, you know, I'm from here and I'm better than you. And like, it, he's adding a little bit more of that wrinkle to it. It's not so overt. It's not like racist in a way, but it's more of like he he feels like he's embracing the foreign heel a little bit more, which which you know he wasn't doing because he couldn't really do it all that much in, in WWE or anywhere else. But he's really kind of leaning into that a lot as well. So there's that cultural yeah. difference that he's kind of playing up a little bit in addition. Yeah, he buries Japan all the time. Like when he leaves, he says, "I'm leaving this godforsaken country, and I'll be back when you know I can't stand Japan. I'm glad I'm leaving. like stuff like that." Right, right, it's right. Funny. It's funny how it's only racist when Kenny Omega does it because people don't like him. <laughs> That's, that's funny though. Like I don't like. It's like I don't like Kenny Omega. So when he does it, it's racist. But I like Pac. So when Pac does it, it's it's great heel work. I like how that somehow, um, you know, works. But um, but but yeah. So he's he he's he's breathed energy into the company, and I, you know, I we felt last week that the move, the right move, was for him to win, and that's ultimately what they did. He defeats Masato Yoshino for the title, and what I thought, Rich. I don't know what you thought of this, but I thought it was his best match since the Austin Aries match, um, since the Austin Aries series matches that that he has had. Now, look, he was gone for like nine months of that, but um, he did have some stuff after that and uh, in WWE, and 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 he has had some some matches um, since he's returned. And this though was his best match, at least since the last Austin Aries match. What do you think of the match itself? I thought it was spectacular. I mean, I, maybe not a five-star affair, but I think one thing that I liked about it, it was compact. It was only about 20 minutes or so, which I really do enjoy sometimes. You know, the, the big criticism I always have with Dreamgate matches is sometimes they feel like they get a little, little long in the tooth. This one never did at any point. It felt like it was kind of balls to the wall the entire time, which was cool. Uh, I loved, oh my God, I fucking love Pac attacking Yoshino during God Save the Queen. It was so good because, like, they play. If people that don't watch Dragon Gate or whatnot, and, and they play the national anthem for for they play the Japanese national anthem whenever these big Dream Gate matches go on. But in this case, they did the Japanese national anthem, and then they did God Save the Queen. So you know, everybody kind of respectfully listens to God Save the Queen. They cut to Pac, and the second God Save the Queen starts playing, he gets a big smile on his face and he just runs over and fucking attacks Yoshino. And the Japanese crowd, who don't have any allegiance to God Save the Queen, are just pissed because it's like you fucking asshole. Like we're standing for your national anthem, we're doing this whole pop and circumstance 
chance for you. And then you're just going to beat this guy up like in the middle of it. But that's Pac is such a good heel, man. And that smirk that he had, that shit eating grin that he has is so good. Yeah. And I love that Dragon Gate cut because like it wouldn't have been the same if he just attacked out of nowhere. But they cut to him and you could see him kind of like his eyes. He's got his eyes closed and he peeks up and he notices that, notices that Yoshino's not looking and then kind of gets a big shit eating grin on his face and then runs over and starts attacking the dude. And then is pretty much you know, controls the, the the remainder of the match. Yoshino has some points here and there where he pops up or whatever, but pretty much Pac just kind of does it. I mean, Pac just, uh, you know, th- there's times where he kind of tries to put him away a little bit lighter. He tries to kind of see if he can get the match over a little bit earlier. Yoshino fires up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit here and there. But then when, you know, when, when Pac just needs to put him away, he just fucking puts him away. He hits him with the, I forget what I forget the sequence, but you know, finishes him off with a black arrow in about 20 minutes, and it's a shock. Like the fans know when he hits that black arrow, they're like, oh shit. And there's like this one, two, and then everyone's just kind of like, ah, three. And then you hear, and you even see there's like a great, I don't know if you watched it recently, but there's a guy right behind uh the, the hard camera that goes, ah, oh, like, like like he audibly groans and grabs his head, like, no, god damn it, not this guy, which is awesome because it's like you know, it's that weird sort of odd heel heat that you don't often get in Japan, but he's he's nailing it. He's really, really getting it to an extent where people, you know, it's not that they don't want to see him, but they just really, it, it was like he, he's doing his character perfect where they were like disappointed that he won it in, in, in you know, kind yeah. of a kayfabe sense or whatnot. But, but I thought the match was was really good. And I haven't been all in love with Pox, you know, deli- you know what he's been doing and dragging it so far, but this one was good. This was, this showed me what he's capable of when, when, when he's got the time and really puts his mind to it. It's, um, you know, he feels like the hottest thing in a company that didn't have anything hot going before he got there. Um, and and it's it's I really felt this was a good first landing spot for both for both parties involved. I thought it would work out for both. I thought it was a good. It was obviously Dragon Gate needed all the help they can get, and and I do think it has helped Pac uh, raise his uh, profile and put himself back on the map and show that look, I can be at the top of a company. You know, he's showing that of a major company and uh, that's what he's doing now. And I don't recall anyone ever attacking during the uh, national anthems, which, which shocked the shit out of me. And, and I, I couldn't recall it. I asked a bunch of the Dragon Gate uh, fans that work with us, like Iron Mike Spears and, and Case Lowe. They don't recall an instance of anyone ever attacking during the, the anthems. So whoever came up with that idea, and I'm sure it was him, I will fuck it. We'll just give him the credit. Um, that was a tremendous idea because I, I was really worried. I was worried because people were like, Oh, he attacked. Like, I, I saw spoilers that said, Oh, he attacked during the anthem. And I thought he was going to attack during the Japanese anthem. And I was like, Oh my God, he's going to have to get yeah. like a you know police escort out of there. But then yeah. the Japanese anthem ended, and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And then they played, guy, and I was like, Oh, that's actually, I kind of like that a little bit better because he's, you know, it's the idea that like, ah, play my national anthem for me, please. And then they do, and then he just fucking doesn't care. You know what I mean? Like, right. Or he's not, dis- he's not disrespectful to the Japanese national anthem, but he's just like, he's finding any little, little edge he can do. So, you know, finding a, an opportunity to attack him during his national anthem or whatever. Yeah. He, it's like, he don't care. He'll shit on his own anthem. He doesn't, right, he doesn't fucking difference. care. He's, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that, I almost like that a little bit more. I like that a little bit more that he, he just has no allegiance even to his own fucking country. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. It's a means to an end. He wants that title. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's, you know, red is now running things. This guy's the champ, you know? And, and, um, you know, I, I went four stars on the match. Like I said, I, I think it's the best match he's had. In, yeah. I think that's about where I'm at in some time. It's, uh, and, and dragon gate as a whole, like if you watch this Corican show, it's, we've said this before at different times, but this again, is one of those times where I think it's a great time to jump in. If you wanted either come back to dragon gate, if you're one of the people who gave up on it during sort of, 
you know, the weird periods over the last year, or if you've been waiting to follow Dragon Gate, I really feel like this show is a good starting point because the, the, the rivalries are really laid out crystal clear on this show. And you know what's going on with all of the big stories. And you can see some of the wrestlers who they really like, who they featured on this thing. So that stuff is clear. It was a well-booked show from that perspective where everything they did mattered and, and, um, and, and there's direction for, for there's directions for all of the key players, at least the ones that are being pushed right now. And on top of that, the show was a easy watch because it was good. Now, nothing blew me away. Like, you know, there's no match of the year contenders on this, but it was a good show from start to finish with two matches that I thought were excellent. The, the dream game match we just talked about and the, uh, the 20 minute time limit draw with Shun Skywalker and UT, I thought was an excellent match as well. And, you know, between two guys who, you know, they would like to step up to a different level at some point. And I really think this was a showcase for both guys who have had their issues getting over in the past, the both of them for different reasons. And they booked these guys in a singles match on a show that didn't have any, with the exception of the title match in a promotion that doesn't do a ton of singles matches to begin with, especially on shows like this. And they let them go 20 minutes, which was the longest match on the show. Well, I guess the main event was 20 minutes too, right? Uh, a little, so, yeah, like 20, 33 or whatever. I, 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 yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, right? so it was like the, the, you know, basically tied for, they gave them as much time as the main event. And those two guys who have been maligned in different ways, okay, especially UT, killed it. You know? And, I, you know, it, it, look, it, and, and I thought that was important because I came out of this show thinking, okay, all right, I'm looking forward to see where Shun Skywalker goes from here. I'm looking forward to see if UT, you know, can finally put some of his, uh, you know, shaky pass behind him because he really delivered here. So did you get the same feeling with that 20 minute draw or did you not come out of that feeling any, uh, anything in particular you know, because that that's how that match struck me. Yeah, no, I did as well, because those are two guys like Skywalker is a guy who, you know, if we go back in, into the archives of the show, a guy that I really loved until he came out of Shun Skywalker. And then it was like that one minute. What was his name before? I'm blanking on what the fuck his name was before, because I'm I, uh, I, the producer will look that up. But yeah, ahead, make your point there. But when he came out to the, the horrendous gear and all that sort of I remember the first time and I was like, oh, no. And I think it was around December of a couple years ago. And it was that time where we talked about, my God, Dragon could lose half the roster and the half of it is ready to go again. And then man, that is not really played true because a lot of them have had injuries and some other issues and just been kind of in, in, in dead ends or whatnot. And Shun is one of those guys who, like, I thought he was uh, Watanabe. That was it. He was uh, Shun Watanabe. Shun Watanabe. Yes. Yeah. And he was like, a, he looked, he had a great look. He looked, and then he came out to like whatever the fuck the Shun Skywalker thing was. And it just was like a complete a, disaster. Like a, power, like, like a dollar store power. Yeah. Ranger. And like, yeah, it wasn't good. And like now his gear is a little bit better and, and, and you're starting to see it. But now you're starting to see why he, why he was so re- well regarded in, you know, 2015 or whatnot, because he was great and he's really, really good. And UT is a guy who just had never really felt like he ever had any direction. We're just kind of floating around a little bit, but he's changed up his style a little bit. He's trying to figure out a way to kind of stand up among everybody else and sort of rise up. 
up and and and, and appear differently. And now you're seeing both those guys. I, I think are you know 2019 should be huge years for both of them. Hopefully, Shun Skywalker can kind of find out the next direction to him. And and UT really impressed me here as well. And he's a guy who usually does not do it to me. And and, and he's been as of late really really impressive. And and this in particular, I think he he really stole the show in this match even more than Shun, who who I like. The thing about it is, I don't know if those guys are going to break out in 2019. I don't know if they're going to take the next step. And if I had to bet on one, it would be Skywalker because, you know, even um, the Skywalker Mochizuki team in the All Japan Junior Battle of Glory this year, I thought they were the best team. I watched the whole tournament. I I thought they were the best team in the tournament. Skywalker looked great in All Japan. And uh, the best match at that tournament was Mochizuki and Skywalker versus Kotaro Suzuki and Suji Kondo, which uh, on August 9th, if anyone wants to go back and watch it, awesome match, four-star match between those two teams. It's on the All Japan Network. But my point here is they sent Shun Skywalker to All Japan with Masaki Mochizuki. That tells me something right there. They give him this big focus singles match on a big-time cork in with a Dreamgate main event. And it goes to the 20-minute time limit draw. They put those guys out there. They kick them in the pool, okay, with 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 no, uh, you know, with no fucking, with with no life raft. And they said, you know, go out there and do it. And I think Skywalker's the guy to me who I think has more of a chance. UT has been maligned with being in the doghouse. He's had injuries, but they were given an opportunity on this one. And I don't think it was happenstance that they were. And I don't think there's any way that the office couldn't have come away impressed uh, with the way they performed. You know, I, I really think uh, they, they delivered big time as far as the rest of the show, Rich, you want to just, you want to go match by match. Did you watch the whole show first? I've not, I don't I've not seen the whole show. No, I've not okay, seen the whole show. Where did you jump in? I saw, so I saw Shun Skywalker UT cause that one was well regarded. I did not see the tag. So actually I think the only, now, you know, now I look at it, I saw Shun Skywalker UT and then I saw the main event. That's actually the only ones I've saw from this, the show and okay. Doi darts. I watched all of Doi darts. Cause how do you, how do you skip Doi darts? So we'll, I'll go through the other oh, matches quickly. And we'll, uh, can I? Okay. Well, we'll get to Doi Darts when we get to it. But yeah, we'll get. Yo, we'll do Doi yeah, Darts. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. well, <laughs> I have a, I have a lot to talk about that too. So go ahead. It happened at the end of the show anyway. So uh, we'll go to the top. The uh, the zero match, which pre-show match, which I don't know. It was on the fucking version of the show that I watched. So uh, <laughs> it was uh, Kness versus, uh, of course, the international problem dragon Mandu Ryu. Uh, so Kness, I don't know what's going on. He's got a gray beard now. He's not dyeing his beard. He's not shaving his beard. Uh, this match was shaky. Um, there were some awkward moments. Now, Monday Ryu, of course, came back from the horrific injury. We give him a pass. He's going to be a prelim bottom-level guy for the rest of his career, and that's fine. You know, he, he went away with the injury. He came. Remember, Rich, I brought him back as a baby face because he returned from the broken neck or whatever it was. Right, 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 right. It's a nice little story. And look, he's an undercard dude who's going to go out there and work four-minute pre-show matches. That's that's what he is. And, and it's Kness. I guess he's getting a little older, you know, and, and I don't know what it is. Maybe injuries banged up, but look, it was only four and a half minutes and, and I don't want to harp on it because it was basically a meaningless, uh, you know, match that wasn't technically part of the show, but uh, Kness has had better performances. Uh, it was just sloppy. I mean, we talk about it all the time, Dragon Gate, they just do not blow spots. There were blown spots in this match, which is just an unheard of thing in this company. But again, it's just a pre-show match and it's whatever. But unfortunately, Kness's, uh, Kness's number came up in the darts, I believe. So we'll get to that in a minute. So he's going to have to work a main event um, coming up shortly. But then we had uh, uh, Saito, Don Fuji, Gamma, and Super Shisha, who is uh, back in the prelims here. A tremendous, tremendous 
mat wrestler, a tremendous, um, you know, uh, a guy who trains a lot of the Dragon Gate talent. He disappears for long stretches of time. I ra- I will take Super Cisha on these undercards any day of the week. Under last time we talked about Dragon Gate, I complained about the undercard. I was like, this doesn't feel like a Dragon Gate undercard. Where's Super Cisha? Where's Kness? Where? Right, right, right. You know, my usual undercard prelim guys who are, you know, I know can go and are fun. I don't want these scummy, you know, indie garbage guys that they're, you know, I don't want uh, Kazuma Sakamoto and, and Yashi. I want, you know, so this <laughs> felt, this undercard felt like Dragon Gate again. You know, you had the Super Shishas and the Kinesses working in their usual spots. You had the guys like, uh, like uh, Mochizuki and, and Yamato and, and, um, and, and Yamato and Hulk and people like that who aren't in big programs right now. So they were working down card because they're down cycled a little bit. And then you had all of the young guys and everything. This felt like a, like the dragon gate undercards that, that you love, you know what I mean? So we had Saito, Fuji, uh, Gamma and super Sisa against Yamato, BB Hulk, Kajitora and dragon Dia rich, who you really need to take a look at this guy. He is, um, uh, the hand-picked successor to Dragon Kid. He wrestles in a very similar outfit. He's going to be in the, the darts match, I guess, so you'll see him there. Ton of potential. Um, and, and you know, it's someone who looks like they're going to be focusing on. I don't think that they would give that gimmick to someone who they think had a chance, a reasonable chance to fail. At least that's not the impression that I get. He obviously took the fall here. I think he's a teenager. Um, but that's a guy to keep an eye on, and he's someone who I think is in the darts match, and we'll get to that uh, as the uh, as the the veteran team of Saito, Fuji, Gamma, and Super Seashell win. Then we had Masaki Mochizuki, Hio Watanabe, Yuki Yoshioka, and Kota Minora. Uh, this, of course, is Mochizuki and all of his fucking protégés. That's the gimmick that they're doing here. And right, they took right. out, uh, Naruki Doi, Jason Lee, uh, Keito Ishida, who's another big prospect, and uh, Hiroshi Yamato, who did the singing entrance. Which, if you're going to bring in non-Dragon Gate guys, you can give me Hiroshi Yamato all day with the singing entrance, and he can wrestle a little bit. I don't mind that guy. I think he fits like a glove, okay? He fits a lot better than Kai. He fits a lot better than Kazuma Sakamoto. Kai sucks so much. Yeah, I mean, give me Hiroshi Yamato all day long. So, so anyway, the Mochizuki side wins it. Yuki Yoshioka scores the fall over Kaito Ishida, but there's a bunch of young guys in a match like that. Uh, Hio Watanabe, you know, he's been there a couple of years now. Uh, he wears the leopard print uh, deal, but then there's Yoshioka, Minora, and uh, Kaito Ishida, who a lot of people are excited about. And Jason Lee, who I thought was a great acquisition. While Dragon Gate was siphoning talent, they did bring Jason guys like Jason Lee and Bandito into the fold. So give him credit there for um, – it's not all indie sleaze that they've been relying on in, in, in terms of acquiring new talent and making them part of the fold. Then we had the time limit draw that we talked about already. Uh, after the time limit draw – now, Rich, this is fucking great, and I don't know how you feel about this, okay? Uh, brawl breaks out, and then, uh, you know, the, the Yagi guy comes out, the referee that the, – the, 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 I guess he's the authority figure. He's kind of yeah, their GM or authority figure, whatever you want to say. Yeah, yeah. He's he comes out and makes announcements when you know it's something that is coming from quote unquote the office, so to speak. They're having a league with the kids in the company, so we're getting a point style league with all of these young guys that we're talking about. And I don't have the list of names in front of me, but I know that uh, Ashida is in it and Yoshioka's in it, and I know that um, uh, Skywalker and UT are in it. And I don't know. I saw six names, and I know those are four of them. But, Rich, this is fucking awesome. It's like a, they're calling it the Young Dragon League, I believe. So 
I, I, I'm going to ask you. I think I know what your opinion is going to be, but were you hyped for something like oh, that? Oh God, yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be awesome to see it because, especially because it is, it is a. Uh, you know, as we said, a, a portion of Dragon Gate that felt like it's been kind of underdeveloped in the last few years, and now it feels like they really are looking in the mirror and going, "Okay, let's get this, let's get these guys ready, let's get these younger guys up and and, and moving." Yeah, it, it's it's my it, my combination of what I I love juniors and I love like young prospects or whatever, and that's what I'm assuming this entire tournament uh, is going to be. So I'm pretty pumped to see how it uh, how it turns out. Hopefully, it turns out pretty well, but uh, I, I can't imagine it's not at least somewhat pretty solid or, or, or something worth watching. So yeah, I'm excited to check it out. It'll be a chance for some of these young wrestlers to step up and impress people and make and give themselves an identity. I think a lot of the young Dragon Gate wrestlers, if you're not a super hardcore fan, some of them are bleeding together a little right now. You know what I mean? Because they right. haven't established mm-hmm. identities. And, 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 and you put them in a tournament like this, and they'll have a chance to really stand out from one another. And some will rise and some will fall, and we'll see what happens. And I'm, I'm super into that, and I hope a lot of it makes tape. Then we had uh, Dragon Kid, Flamita, and Bandito. Uh, they defeated Ben K, Ita, and Daga. Okay, and this was a real fun six-man match. Dragon Kid scored the fall on Ita, and what was great about this was the joy of Dragon Kid. He scores like this. Uh, I guess it was a schoolboy or a roll-up or whatever on, on Ata to pin him. And he's just so happy, and you feel good for him. And his partners are holding him up in the air, and he's got the one finger pointing to the sky like, I did it. I beat this cocky little prick. And it, it was just so much fun. And you have Ben K just throwing dudes like he always does. And you've got Bandito and Daga flying around and Flamita, who, by the way, a lot like uh, our, our good pal uh, Hideo Itami, uh, he's been uh, hitting the buffets. I think <laughs> he's definitely uh, definitely looking healthy these days. <laughs> yeah, Flamita has he's has embraced wearing... he's embraced the re- the next forty years of his career and is already just like yeah, fuck it, I'll just be fat now. Let's go. He's wearing the chubby guy lucha singlet now too. You know the one I'm talking about? Where oh it's yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. It's the. Tr- it's shaped like trunks, but then it's the double shoulder strap, and it's like the you know you know what I it's the it's the chubby guy lucha singlet you know so he's conceded that he's got to hide that gut you know Flamita has not had a good year I mean we're having fun with it and but but he really you know the, the his uh, bola matches really didn't blow me away and and nothing I watch him do he had that match that I thought was just an okay match with Pac I guess I would say right it wasn't you know it was fine. Um, but Flamita is a guy who a couple of years ago, I mean, 2014, around that time when he was about 20 years old, we thought he was the next big thing. And it seems like that Octagon Jr. gimmick just sucked it out of him when that fell apart and um, the guy threatened to kill him. Or Pentagon Jr. No, it was Octagon Jr. Ah, Pentagon Jr. is obviously somebody very different. Um, but yeah, so uh, that was a fun six-man tag. And then uh, I guess there was an angle here, huh? I guess so. Just Ita, Ita talking shit with Dragon Kid. Yeah, they're gonna, yeah, have, they're gonna have. Yeah, they're gonna have their blow, their blow off match. Uh, the uh, hair, the versus hair, mask. hair versus mask. Yeah, which will be uh, pretty fascinating. I, I assume Dragon Kid will not be unmasking, but I, I mean, maybe. You know, I would but say now would be that the right too. time to do it because you said like you have that the, the spiritual successor of Dragon yes. Kid out there now. So now, if any time ever in his career he would do it, now might might be the okay time. I think it would be a super bold move, and I would definitely bet against it. But there. It's at least in the back of your mind because he's got the protege. It's at least in the back of your mind. I'll say that. I don't think the kid is anywhere near ready. Um, but, you know, but anyway, if you want to jump in on this show, it's like, again, you have a very clear direction here. They set up the mask versus hair match here. And um, you can you can see sort of where all the lines are drawn in the company and whatnot. And then we had um, the semi-main event was Big R Shimizu, uh, Takashi Yoshida, and Yusushi Kanda, and Kazuma Sakamoto. 
uh, eight-man tag. They defeat KZ, Susumu Yokozuku, Genki Horiguchi, and Brother Yashi. That, of course, is natural vibes with their dopey dance before the match. Oh, stop. I, I got to tell you. Nobody looks more dead behind the eyes than poor Susumu Yokozuna. Oh, yeah. He wants to be anywhere else in the world. Yeah, he's fucking over it for sure. (laughs) Now, listen, no matter what I think of the gimmick or the dance, Genki Horiguchi owns that fucking shit. You watch that man dance. He's not very good, but he loves what he's doing. Okay. KZ, it's right up his alley. Brother Yashi. Oh, yeah. Yashi is perfect. It's perfect for Yashi. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but you look at Susumu Yokozuka, and he's just—he—he he looks yeah. like he's just a dead behind the eyes, like he—he's <laughs> begging to just turn. He, every time I watch this this unit wrestle, I'm waiting for him to attack KZ during the song, and just now Susumu Yokozuka is like the ultimate babyface. Okay, he's almost never a heel. The guy's fucking awesome, but he's just—he's Ricky Steamboat, right? Like you can't—he's not a heel. You know what I mean? Like that's. But I would like to see him turn on KZ. And maybe take some of these grimier guys from from natural vibes, like your your punch Tamanagas and your Yashis, right? And like maybe have a little feud with. K- and you know what? That could even help Casey. I know I'm fantasy booking, so, so nerd <laughs> alert. We know we don't. You know we hate doing that, but that's not the worst idea, is it? I mean, come on, he doesn't belong. I just I feel like he doesn't belong. I hate that faction. I hate the dopey dance. I hate the dopey song. And uh, they got what was coming to him here as. Uh, <laughs> As the, as the heels took them apart in the semi-main event. Then it was the main event. So it was really only a six-match show, seven if you count the pre-show match. We talked about the main event. And Rich is chomping at the bit Not wait. to break down the Doi darts, which, you know, more adorable children, more dart throwing. My favorite thing about Doi darts, and I'll hand it off to you, is Jason Lee was one of the two men charged with holding up the board. <laughs> and as soon as they handed a dart to, like, a two-year-old, he couldn't stand further from that board. I mean, he had that one arm, and he because he, he knew that dart was coming his way. We've seen men nearly impaled by the darts before, and and that was a veteran move by Jason Lee, getting the hell out of the way. And that first dart still almost hit him in the foot. But uh, but go ahead, let's talk about Doy darts a little. So bit. the one thing I wanted to say, the the best part of of, of Doy darts was was the kids are great, and all all, all the uh, the pomp and circumstance of Doy darts is incredible. But what and my favorite part of the entire thing was the main event ends. Yoshino's down there, you know, uh, Neville or Neville, Jesus Christ, Pac <laughs> does his little promo or whatnot, and then doy's music walk you know hits and then he walks out there and i i I don't know what he's saying but essentially you know Pac eventually you know just decides okay i'm out of here this is i don't need this shit or whatever doy stands in the ring he's kind of like grabbing onto yoshino like hey whatever pal okay yeah yeah kind of taps him on the back a little bit and then just says all right it's doing darts and i'm just like what an incredible fucking bastard doy is like yeah you know his fucking you know former partner the guy he's turned on you know thousands you know is in the ring you know oh my god he just lost the title and doy just kind of like kicks him and it's like all right doing darts like yeah. let's have some yeah. fun and throw some darts like all right dude yeah sorry get him next time all right let's go and i was just like man Pac is an incredible bastard but nobody touches Doi. No, even when Doi's being nice, he's still being a fucking bastard. I mean, he couldn't Doi. he couldn't reschedule Doi Dart. He couldn't do it another day. He couldn't, you know, give Yoshino a few minutes to get out of the ring. He just kind of like taps him and then like slowly shoves him out of the ring. He goes, all right, let's do it. Yeah, roll this carcass out of here. It's time, time. Let's go. It's time for my Doi Darts. Get him out. <laughs> so good. And Doi has such a prick face. You know, oh, yeah. Just, he, just, he looks like a prick. 
you know so yeah it's like it's uh that's that's the dragon gate pantheon of it's like when doy's heel and then there's shingo and there's Pac, and then you know he's just these guys stand out as the uh as the dragon yeah but it, it is that was it was a, a nice catch there just roll this dead guy who just lost his title out of here we got to throw some darts so then we get the the one thing about doy darts rich why why does nobody aim for the outer part where it's thick and you can clearly tell where the dart has landed. <laughs> they all aim for the middle. One well, lady hit a bullseye. She's awesome. She that that girl is gonna. I think she's like she's a little older. She's maybe thirteen or fourteen. She is gonna make so much money in her adult life hustling dudes at bars. You know, saying, "Oh yeah, you know, I play darts a little bit," and then just nailing the bullseye. Boom, 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 boom. All right, cool. Bye. Like, yeah. I, she is gonna kill in the bar scene. Absolutely, just kill because. So- yeah, she she had a, so for her first one, I think she hit right in the middle of two things, which is great yes. too. You're gonna get good scoring for that as well. And then the next time she throws a complete bowl, like a bull like a bullseye random. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like aim for the thick part of the board. All of these dopey kids, they throw it right for the middle, and then you can't. It hits the skinny part of the name, and you can't read who it is. You know, they should throw these kids out of the ring if they can't throw a dart properly. Get them out of here because you, know, you can't read the board. You know, throw it at the thing. It's a big board. Yeah, throw it at the thick part of the name. It drives you nuts. And how many of those darts landed right between the two names? And you got like Jason Lee looking at it like, uh, I don't know who that is. I can't read it. Uh, utterly ridiculous. And then they always pick a two-year-old and the two-year-old always, you know, nearly kills somebody with the dart. Now, this two-year-old didn't have much of an arm, so it almost hit Lee in the foot. But I remember years where those things came flying right at the midsection of these dudes because these kids, they have no motor control. You know, just tossing these darts into the void, but uh, but yeah, always a fun time with yeah. The, the, uh, the one two year old, I think darts. he missed like six times, and eventually the best they were just laughing every time. And they, I don't know what they chant every time they do it, but I was just bursting into laughter. Like this is like just an incredible. Like it's everybody's just having a good time too. Like and, and we talk about this every year, but like I just love the idea that like a group of wrestlers just says, hey, hand us your children. And people are just like, here, take them, take them, take them. And then there's yeah. just like, they just cut and there's fucking like, you know, Mochizuki carrying a child. And they're just like, yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, why would you yeah. ever allow your child, like Brother Yashi is like holding a child. Like Brother Yashi is not yeah. holding my child for a second. Like, but I just love the idea. They're like, no, no, pick my kid. And then they just grab these kids from, you know, the 200 level and bring them back down or whatever. But it looks like, man, I, that... Reviewing every Doi Darts would be an, uh, an incredible series on our Patreon, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Yashi reeking of the devil's lettuce. And, uh, <laughs> Trying to teach kids bad things. Mochizuki, who just got done putting a cigarette out on the <laughs> right, solar right, yeah, you know, like blowing the smoke, you know. But but it is it is it, it's it's an adorable scene because the wrestlers kind of they're not really in character, you know, and they're and it's unpredictable, you know. It, it's it's it, it's 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 a shoot. Obviously, you can't fix this thing. I mean, <laughs> no, it's especially with children. Yeah. Throwing darts at the at a board, and and the wrestlers kind of have their guard down, and you can tell that they think it's all adorable and it's just fun and it's cute. Yeah, and they it's, like being uh, chosen. Like they like when their names get picked. Like they find it hilarious or whatever. Like some when, of them, some of them, was, you can tell are like, <laughs> "Ugh, I gotta work that main event next week." Oh fuck, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, because like, yeah, like Ben like K Kness, didn't seem very happy. Yeah, Ben K didn't seem very happy by it either. Kness wasn't too thrilled. Like he's like, "Ah, fuck." He wasn't even in the ring. Like he had to come back into the ring with his cranky <laughs> knees, and he's like, "Ah, shit, I gotta work this stupid match in a week." But uh, but the, the the fun thing about it is you get. It, it's like always with the randomness of the darts, you still get 
like Dragon Kid and Dragon Dia are on opposite sides, you know, so they get to get in there and and work some spots with each other, you know, and, and that's going to be awesome. And then, you know, you get shit bums like Kazma Sakamoto. And, <laughs> and Kai. And that Kai. Team, that one team I is mean, pretty bad. That one team. Yeah, is, those, kids really, team. those kids really fucked up on that one side. The, the, the other side is better. It's not great, but it's it's better. But yeah, the one side is, is horrendous. Well, you got Dragon Kid and Ben K, but they just have the most awful part. I yeah. mean, they've got Kazma Sakamoto, Kai, and uh, Kness. <laughs> Who uh, you know is held together by fucking tape at this point, and then we got uh, BB Hulk, Brother Yashi, Yuki Yoshioka, uh, Naruki Doi. Who uh, he was who, so pumped, he was so yeah. glad to get picked. Yeah, the crowd, everyone was kind of pumped when he for got that one. Picked, yeah. And Dragon Dia on the other side. So that what's that twelve eighteen cork? And I believe that's the. Uh, is that the is that when they're doing that match or yeah I yeah so that's gonna be the that's gonna be the main event of twelve eighteen and there's yeah. also supposed to be some big announcement on the twelve eighteen as well that we don't know what that is exactly but we'll see and I uh, think that's the Yamamura return match against El Lindemann which took a lot of people by surprise Rich because Yamamura and Lindemann of course are guys that left with Shima and are OWE wrestlers and. Um, but Yamamura is having his return match in Dragon Gate, which is one of those five-minute exhibition deals, um, and it's going to be a draw more than likely. Or Linda, well, if, since it's five minutes, I think it'll be a draw. I mean, or, you know, Yamamura is not going to win though. Lindemann will win, or, or it'll be a draw. Probably be a draw. But those aren't Dragon Gate wrestlers, so everyone was like, "What the fuck is this?" Right? But I don't think there's anything to read into that. I think if these guys were like coming back to the company, it, it, it's telling to me. That Yamamura is wrestling another Shima guy. He's not wrestling someone on the Dragon Gate roster. So. Right, right, right. He, he he's kept it sort of in house. Yeah. What, what do we know the deal with this yet? Is this like some contractual obligation or something like that? It's got to be something like that as well because it, it is, as you said, it's it's not a Yamamura is coming back to face random dude on the roster. He's facing El Lindemann, who he'll leave with, and they'll and, and yeah, they'll have very. But I, it, it's bizarre. It's definitely kind of weird. So there's got to be some contractual something. There is. There. So according to Dragon Gate expert Iron Mike Spears, okay, this was not super surprising if you're a Dragon Gate insider because the the idea all along was that Yamamura's return match was probably going to be taking place in a Dragon Gate ring because they paid for his rehab because he got hurt in Dragon Gate. Mm, okay, okay. So Dragon Gate wanted the return match and whatever buzz or ticket sales that's worth, um, I guess, is would be the idea there. So that's the idea behind it. So I, it's not like Yamamura and Lindemann are returning to Dragon Gate. It's more of they just want the return match since they foot the bill for, you know, since they, would you say footed the bill or fi- like Ooh, foot the bill, footed the bill? Yeah, I don't, uh, or because fi- the, the plural of foot is feet, but you wouldn't say they feeted feet the, the bill. bill. Yeah, they didn't feed the bill. That's our language is pretty dumb. Um, footed the bill. Yeah, footed the foot right? the bill. Yeah, I think, that, well, I don't. Foot of the bill? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I would always say foot the bill, probably, but that it, it doesn't quite work. Fill the bill? It wasn't. They didn't fill How about the bill. They paid the fucking they bill. They paid his that. expenses. There we go. Yeah. They cut they the check. The expenses <laughs> yeah. of the of the rehab. So there you go. That's the deal there. Um, I also saw that uh, Dragon Gate English, which of course is uh, Dragon Gate J or Dragon Gate Jai. However, I don't even know how to pronounce that. I always said J. Then then everybody said Jai, so then I went to Jai, but I always thought it was J, but whatever. Anyway, that dude (laughs) tweeted out. um, He bumped a tweet from like April or some shit when the split happened saying that. um, Now, remember, it's kind of like this weird umbrella company thing anyway. And, you know, his whole thing was the two sides were open 
to doing stuff in the future. Look, it's icy cold, the relationship. There's no question. But, you know, it's like I, 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 I wasn't I, – I know why people were surprised to see that announcement pop up, but I don't think there will be anything beyond that. I think they'll be right back at it there after that match. I don't, I wouldn't expect any kind of the, angle. The booking, yeah, the booking of it, man. I mean, it's a five minute exhibition. Yeah. Yamamura versus Lindemann, who he's in the camp with. I mean, this right. is not a normal match. This is just very much like, okay, we need to do this. And then let's get the pleasantries out of the way. And then we'll move on. You, you know what I mean? Like that, right. that's, that's how I read it. I, I definitely don't read this as any sort of building or, or, or building block of the relationship or any positive movement of the, it, this feels very much like, a need to do versus a want to do, if that makes sense. Like, I, and, like yeah. I, and like Iron Mike Spears said, Shima's not in the match either, which is another uh, big sign. Because look, Shima also knows that his return is going to mean a lot more than working with Yamamura in a five-minute exhibition match. You know what I mean? So it's like whether Shima ever returns or not, and he probably will, they're obviously going to save that for something much bigger for when these guys do return. Look, I think what they've done in Wrestle 1 and DDT is is, is awesome. And I do think the longer they wait, the more impact it'll have if they invade Dragon Gate. And I think that if the Chinese money falls apart and Shima's crew kind of wears out their welcome, you know, the angles and the other companies stop drawing and they've run out of places to invade. I mean, I fully expect, I do expect them to be back at some point. Um, you know, full time, fully integrated, that I don't know. Um, but I don't even think that's a wild prediction. I think that at the end of the day in wrestling, it's the bottom line and it's business that takes precedent. And if both sides think that that will be a big opportunity to make money at some point, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't see how they would leave that on the table. And, I, you know, I, I know like right now it's still it's it's very cold relationship and, and the wounds are fresh and all of those sorts of things. But it's just pro wrestling and we know that time heals these things and and, um, you know, but we get a little taste of it. Yeah, if, if, if basically if everybody can make more money, people will do anything, <laughs> anything. You know what I mean? Just like, about, every, just about, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it, for sure. At the end of the day, yeah. so yeah, but I'm not ready. Like if they, if if say they're like they were ready to come back or the the comp- I'm not ready for it either. I think it would be uh, no, so no. much better if it was another oh, yeah. six months, another year. Make me want it. Make Even me really worry. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. <laughs> You know, I, I would not. Yeah, now is not the time at all. I would be a little underwhelmed if they yeah, did it. I'm not ready at all. <laughs> it's, it's, it's they haven't even been gone a year. I mean, let this thing breathe. Come back in four years. You know, when when Lindemann and Yamamura and and whatever you know the Chinese guy that they like, I forget his name, the one that travels around with them. You know, when those guys have developed into bigger stars and 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 uh, you know T Hawk and um, you know finally you know it, it, let, let's let it breathe. You know, and, and and then then maybe put something together and, and, and bring them back. But I, I do see it happening at, at some point. All right, so I think that is it for our Dragon Gate section. That was good. I think uh, I think I'm back in. I think I'm I'm excited again about Dragon Gate. I've always kind of faked it and tried to, but I, I think I'm in again. So hopefully, uh, this will be a regular occurrence where we talk about Dragon Gate. It's always, it's always fun to talk about Dragon Gate. We want to like Dragon Gate. We want to love it. And I think uh, this is good. I mean, Pac has re-energized me, and and like you said, the undercard too. There's a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, the blow off eventually of Dragon Kid Aza, which should be pretty cool. And then obviously, yeah, the the, the young. You know the young guy or whatever the young dragons cup or whatever that sounds really awesome too. So I think I'm I think I'm in. I think I'm back in. I know Case uh, Case Lo who did the review for the website voicewrestling.com. He talked about uh, 
this was this very very much felt like all right get back on the bandwagon type of show for everybody and he's been pretty pretty down on the year uh ultimately but yeah i think this was kind of like okay we're, we're starting to you know the, the the bubble it's starting to bubble up again it's starting to feel it again which is great because i i what love his, it's good yeah what were his star ratings uh, you know what? Let me fire those up here real quick. Let's go over and, and, and see if he was an accurate star raider like you, Joe, or an inaccurate star raider. Let's find I out. Know. All right. Loading right now. So Kinesin Problem Dragon, he gave two stars. That's uh, right at about where I go. Yeah, that's about what I do. Or star and, two and, or star and three quarter, two stars, somewhere in there, yeah. All right. Uh, for Saito, Fuji, Gamma, Super Shisha, Hulk, Katatori, Yamato, and Dragon Dia, he gave two and a half. That's about right, yeah. For that one, for uh, Mochizuki and his youngsters against Doi, Lee, and Yamato and, and Ishida, he gave three and a half. A uh, little high. Little, little high. Eh, I'm not he's, a very, he's a very pro Mochizuki guy, so I think just, yeah. just, the, just, just seeing the attractive man that is Mochizuki makes Case give him a few more stars. We'll, we'll, we'll allow him a, on that one. I think it's a tad high, but I can't bury him for it. It's just, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, he, he gets lost in his eyes, and I don't blame him. Uh, Shun Skywalker, UT draw, that was four and a quarter from Case Low. Again, little high. I'd go maybe three and three quarters or four on that map. Four, I think, is a little high too. Like I'd go about three and three quarters. So he's about a half a star higher. Uh the Dragon Kid Bandito Flamita versus Benke Daga and Eta, he gave uh three and three quarters to that one. Yeah, I'd go about three and a quarter, um, three and a half on that. Yeah, so little little high. Yeah, the Sakamoto Big R, uh Yoshida Kanda versus the the uh natural vibes, that was uh three and a quarter is what he put on that one. Yeah, I was gonna say three. I think one thing I, I, I meant, forgot to mention about Doi Darts too. I love that the uh, the ne- the girl decked out in natural vibes gear grabbed brother like hit on brother Yashi too. That was like incredible to see. She had like the natural vibes hat, the natural vibes shirt, like whatever the fuck little thing she was carrying in her hand, and then she just nailed brother Yashi's name right there. And it was like a great moment. Doi Darts is the best best thing. That ever was before. fun. Yeah. Do you think that they find kids? To represent each unit, or that they throw a T-shirt to like the shittier units to the to some of the kids, because I find it hard to believe. Oh, that. stop! You, you're you're slander on natural vibes. It's just no, not, not out of control. I'm not yeah. ripping on them right now. Okay. I'm not ripping on them right now. But some of the lesser units are, are are units that wouldn't appeal to children. I find it hard to believe that there's a six-year-old. You know, back in the day, <laughs> there there was the one kid wearing a maximum shirt that looked like he was at gunpoint. Like the, I think it was the first That's kid. That I mean. He did not look like a maximum fan at all. And the shirt that he bought was like the most generic. Like the natural vibes girl, she had like the hat, she had like shorts, she had you know, she looked like she was all decked out. But then there was like the first kid they bring up is like he's like eleven or so, and he's just wearing like a generic white maximum shirt or whatever. It didn't seem. I mean, I, I like Maximum, but there's no way like an 11 year old's like, oh yeah, Ben K. <laughs> like, you know that's what I mean? My like, point, or, well, ben K, you know, obviously he's turned on him, but you know what I mean? Like, Maximum is not really the unit that's going to, you know, get the flames stoked for, you know, an 11 year old. But... Look at Dragon Gate history. Okay. You think there's a little kid rocking a deep drunker shirt? I hope so. He's team great. Veteran, yeah. Team Veteran Returns or fucking. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. You know, so I, I, I think that aspect of it is. Like, oh, stop. You know. There's nothing more pure than Doi Darts. You stop right now. Uh, and then Pac and Yoshino, he gave four four stars to flat. Oh, four flat. Yeah, okay. His star ratings are pretty good. I can't I can't kill the kid. Okay. So, Accurate uh, star rater? You'll, you'll, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won't be kneeling on rice this week. So <laughs> young boy. Um, He's like 22 years old at this point. <laughs> he's going to be 30 and we're going to be calling him the young boy. It doesn't matter. Okay. It's, uh, you know, but no kneeling on rice, no Hindu squats. Um, you know, I'll cut him a break. No chores. He should, he should still make the ramen, though, because, I mean, come on. He, he makes it really well. He, I mean, he's been doing it for six years now. 
so he's he's it's an art form now for him so he, he, he should still definitely rock. make that yeah he should definitely continue making that so yeah he does remember when uh dylan hales was writing our impact reviews and they were doing the storyline where like sonata was bobby would not bobby but james storm's like young boy yes they put right in the review that like sonata was washing james storm's balls and i just i i laughed out loud at that and I, like he wrote it in such a way that it happened on the show but it was tongue-in-cheek you know he's like and next up we had you know sonata washing james storm's balls in the back and i just i fucking lost it you know, I fucking lost it. That was, I don't even know if those old reviews are still up, but I fucking lost it. Uh, anyway. I think they still are. I think you can still find it. Yeah. But, uh, no, they, they definitely, I think if you, if you just look up, uh, you gotta find the time that I forget what year it was where he was doing the impact reviews, but that's probably the best yeah. way uh, to find them. But God is damn the, it. Is the Dylan Hale's burial of CZW still on our, our uh, website? Oh my God. Oh, when he quit halfway through the review. Um, no, he didn't quit. No, he finished it. Oh, he did he finish it? it? We had somebody, somebody else that, that quit oh, that through. was Garrett. Who quit halfway through an impact? Or Warren? It might have been Garrett or Warren. Or no? Okay, so I can tell you the exact show. It was Garrett when Josh Matthews was a heel referee, <laughs> right? Or heel announcer the entire time. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, not referee. Heel announcer, correct? Yeah, he just quit halfway through the review. But uh, but yeah. Uh, I don't see the CZW. I, I, I it's up there. I haven't deleted any posts that we've ever made. So I think um, it's definitely up there. You just got to kind of dig around to find. Deleted it. one, but well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one 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 out of every you know, seven years isn't too bad but yeah um all right let's get to uh this world tag league check in on the world tag league joe uh overall thoughts i think you know we've seen a little bit of a the usual groundswell when world tag league starts of oh my god world tag league then we look at one blocks and we go oh my god there's gonna be 91 matches or whatever the hell it's gonna be and then it happens every single year as well like nobody watches it but then the people that do watch it justify their watching by saying hey world tag league is actually pretty good this year joe is world tag league actually pretty good this year i don't think the last few years we've even gotten that i think people that have watched it even have even said now like the six people that watch sucks. always say it's good yeah no like there's there's the Not our I, reviewers our reviewers are always like i'm never doing this again <laughs> we always like, lose them i tell them i tell them don't do it i tell them please do not do the review but i do. think but i think this year for sure it's the talk has been hey this is pretty good you know, uh, you know, I'm actually watching this and it's not bad. So finally, these people talked me into checking some of it out. Um, I think it's a little overhyped, a little overhyped. I, I don't think I do think I'll say this. This has been a better world tag league than like and I've watched a good deal of it now. Uh, what I did was, Rich, I used the grapple app. This is an ad free show. I used the grapple app. And I watched the best match, rate the highest rated match from each show on the Grapple app. So I used the Grapple app to my advantage there. Okay, and then for like the shows with English commentary, I watched the entire shows. Okay, so that's how what I've watched to give people some perspective. I do think it's been a better World Tag League than the last couple of years, but I don't think it's been as good as some of the stuff I'm seeing. Um, online i think for a comparison point it's been a little bit better than the super junior tag league in that the matches aren't sitting every match isn't sitting at three and a quarter every match is sitting at like well not every match but the, the main events are sitting the top at like, tier stuff yeah then the main events top tier they're stuff, sitting yeah. at like three and a half as opposed to three and a quarter it's it's a slightly better um junior tag league which is a much better than some of the world tag leagues we've had over the past couple of years, 
Um, how much of it have you seen? I've seen very little because I've been instead of watching New Japan, I've been writing about New Japan for the last two weeks. So we're getting ready for the ebook. So I've been doing a lot of like logging and and, and some of the meticulous work that we need to do for the ebook. So I've kind of used that as a part to to, to kind of get away from from Modern Dragon. So I've not really watched a lot. I watched one of the shows almost the entire way through. I've watched obviously the first tag match between Okada and Tanahashi or with Okada and Tanahashi on the same side. Uh, I had to check that out. But I've kind of stayed away because even the matches that, that, that people have hyped up have not really featured wrestlers that I, I, I feel like I'm all that interested in. So I've seen a little bit here and there, but there's not much that's really kind of blown. I, I don't know. There's not a lot that's really done much for me. I've probably seen maybe five or six of the matches. And it's just, I, I just can't get into the league aspect. So it's, it's also hard to, when I've already kind of disassociated with it and decided, you know what, I'm just going to take it off. I'm going to work on some other stuff. I'm going to kind of get away from New Japan for a little bit. The problem is jumping into night 10 to watch, you know, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi go for 10 points. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's kind of tough to kind of do that, especially in the league atmosphere. That's why G1 is like, it's so much easier to just kind of follow G1 every single day and do that sort of stuff because because then you feel like you got a little bit more of an idea of what's going on and where the people are and the ebbs and the flows or whatnot. It's hard to kind of jump in when you hear that there's a good match on night 12. You, you know what I mean? Like, so I've just kind of, even while I've watched a few of the hyped ones, it, it, none of them have really retained with me or really stuck with me all that much because I've just been doing some other stuff, which, you know, not lazy. I've just been writing about, about New Japan, as I said, more than anything. The uh, the best matches I've seen were um, Ishii and Yano versus Evil and Sonata from from day ten. Um, Suzuki and Azuka versus Taichi and Zack Saber Jr. from day ten. Yeah, that one was really good. Day ten. I watched uh, the last. That's the show we, you saw. That so, was the last two matches, right? Of of, of day ten or the last yeah, two no, main, matches. Yeah. Yes, and the main event was the six man. With uh, Tanahashi and Okada, that was a pretty good show. That felt like everybody was kind of had their working boots on a little bit more. And, and like I said, I haven't seen all the ones, but yeah, that 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 was a pretty fun uh, show. Those three matches were really good. I mean, they were flirting with four. I think I went three seven three point seven five on all of those. And I'm looking on the grapple app, and that's exactly what I did. Um, Evil and Sonata versus Cobb and Elgin from night two was another match I thought that stood out. Um, yeah, and then everything else has really been sitting at like the three and a half. Uh, three and a quarter range for the most part. I thought the two uh, matches were Tanahashi teams with Okada. I thought that the six man was better than the eight man. I think they were back to back nights. Uh, the six man was day 10. I thought that one was a little better. Um, what do you think about the idea that they've kind of, do you think they've blown Tanahashi teaming with Okada on shows that, nobody cares about in other words they could have made a bigger moment out of it with the counter argument being that i don't know if you're paying attention rich but this this tour is drawing like fucking crazy yeah it really is yeah yeah no it has been so what do you think of that do you do you think it's just hey look they felt like they needed these two matches or two or i forget how many it is i think it's two um to put some asses in the season it's worked or do you think you, you maybe you want to save that for um you know, a, a different, you know, a slightly bigger show, maybe not burn it off in a cork and hall. What, what do you, you get the idea here. What do you think of these two guys teaming on, on the world tag league? It's not yeah. like it's every night. It's the, it's the bigger shows on the tour. It, it has felt, it did feel weird. You know what I mean? Like it just felt like weird that it was just like this random portion, you know, night 10 of the world tag league. But I guess if you wanted these to draw a little bit better and, and, and get a little bit more, I, you know, I could see the arguments both ways. I, I don't necessarily know that I have a strong thought on like, Oh my God, it was so stupid that they did it on this tour. It like, I, it, it's not ideal. I don't think I would. I think I would probably prefer to have it on a, on a tour or, or, you know, at a time when it's a little bit more important, but 
you know, I can also see the argument too that, that, Hey, you want to draw these shows a little bit better. It's like, you know, now might be a good time depending on what's going on with wrestle kingdom or whatnot. I, I suppose I personally would have held it off just because I think it could be an impactful thing. Like, I think you could actually build towards the main event of these two dudes. You know what I mean? Like, you don't even have to have a six-man building it up. It could just be that these two guys, for whatever whatever way you want to get about doing it, it could main event like a Road to show, or it could main event like the second of the Wrestling Dontaku. Like, there's a lot you could do with the tag match of those two, but now they've kind of done it. Like, you know, so I, I think there is a little bit lost in it, but maybe there's a bigger plan. Maybe, like you said, there might be some light bulb thing at the end of this where we go, oh, well, that's why they were tagging this now, you know, earlier than this point. And I don't think it's just ticket sales. There must be some other story aspect uh, to it as well because they don't just do stuff to do stuff. You know what I mean? Like, they're pretty reliable in the sense that we know that when they do stuff, there's some purpose to it. So there has to be something I personally would have waited, but I I I could see arguments both ways. I I think that the the two-versus-two tag is the one that you save. I don't really think, you know, doing six man and eight mans is that big a deal in terms of blowing it. I don't think they've blown anything. I think, I think Okada and Tanahashi in a straight tag team match would still be a big deal. Is what I'm getting at. And I think if you want to, you know, like headline a, a New Year Dash or a big Corican show or like a a, a pay per view level show, uh, you know. Uh, one of the, the B level shows with with a tag team match with those two guys, I think that that it would still mean something. Yeah, I would hope that they would save that. Like that that match, the the actual them two versus like like them two versus Gato and and, and Jay White. I mean that can main. Oh, event. that's a cork and main of. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. That can, I mean that can main event so much stuff. So hopefully they hold off for that. And and I and I don't think the fact that they've been in these six mans means that that can't you know still happen and still be important or whatnot that still would be important but yeah it, it has felt weird but but ultimately i don't know that i care all that much you know what i mean like it's not something i'm like oh my god what a waste like they're gonna absolutely kill it because i'm with you once they do that two versus two i think that would would stand the test of time and be more important than than you know people won't remember these random six mans or whatever as far as the world tag league goes the top two teams out of these you know this thousand team field will meet on the ninth, which is uh, coming up in a couple days. Some people will listen to this show after that show is over. Um, we can't preview that show because, well, there's no card. We know that the top two finishers in this tournament will face each other uh, for the right to face, I guess, the Gorillas of Destiny, assuming Gorillas of Destiny don't win the tournament at Wrestle Kingdom. And we know that the Never title is on the line with Goto and Ibushi, with Ibushi presumably winning and then defending against Willow Spray in the Dome. Or we may get a dreaded three-way in the never match. Speaking of three-ways, I think oh, we're no. definitely no. A- <laughs> no, don't. No, come on. Well, stop. I mean, no. when you have the Bucks announcing that they're going to be at the show, it just makes too much sense. So what well, you have lining up here, <laughs> and I'm going to give you – Don't do this. Don't. Just lie. Gonna- just lie. Just lie to me. It's fine. <laughs> so we've got Gorillas of Destiny are in first place as we record this. Yeah. And these standings really are irrelevant because most people, the standings are going to be different by the time most people. I think everybody, yeah, mo- mo- yeah, pretty much everybody. But yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It's it's the, the bottom line is this: Gorillas of Destiny are either going to face Sonata and Evil, Ishii and Yano, or Killer Elite Squad in the final. That's what it's going to come down to. There are some teams that are mathematically alive beneath those teams, but that's how it's going to shake out. And whoever they face is going to win. I think it will be Sonata and Evil. I could see a scenario where it's Ishii and Yano. I don't think it'll be Killer Elite Squad. But so if Sonata and Evil, let's say they beat 
whoever Grills of Destiny faces are going to defeat Grills of Destiny. Then you'll have the Bucks come out, and there you have your three-way because then the Bucks will shoehorn their way into the match. Yeah. Now, the reason I hate this, Rich, is not only because we're getting another three-way and we're already having a multi-team match for the junior titles, which was ridiculous. This is worse than the junior tournament because now you just have a team coming in that, that just skipped the fucking tournament. They just skipped this whole ordeal and are going to say, we deserve a spot here. Well, then what the fuck does that tell, like from a kayfabe sense, all the other teams that wasted their time on this tour? Like Ishii and yeah, Ishii and Yano are right neck and neck. I mean, they might lose out by a point or whatever. And like, what 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 did they gain? You know, they gained absolutely nothing. KS, what what talk did those Juice Robinson and Finley, a very spirited fourteen points. You know, at this time that we're recording this, they get nothing. They gain nothing from this. These guys should just realize, just sit out and then just walk out afterwards. It's yeah, it it, it kill it, it. It's really stupid from a kayfabe standpoint too, and it just kills these tournaments. It just makes these tournaments look absolutely shitty. And yeah, stupid. it makes it look like you wasted all of your time when a team not even in the tournament just shows up and inserts themselves into the match. Yeah, and and the worst, I mean, the problem is going to be, and people are going to say, yeah, but they get the rematch clause, and it's like, fuck your rematch clause. <laughs> rematch clause don't real. have to exist. It's made up thing. <laughs> they don't have to do that. Like it's fucking pro wrestling. You could just say no. They did lose the yes, yes, they lost the titles of Girls of Destiny and they didn't get the rematch. Too fucking bad, too bad. There was a tournament that the tournament winner. Now you don't have to do a fucking rematch just because there's a rematch clause. There's not a fucking rematch clause. It's for us. Like you can come up with anything you want. There's not a set of rules. Let me present you this scenario. Yeah. Because I have a scenario which I wouldn't mind. And I want your take on it. Girls of Destiny is wrestling. Just pick Team Rich in the final. Pick one. Um Killer Elite Squad. Yeah, let's go with that. Archer and David Boysmith. They're wrestling Killer Elite Squad in the final, or Juice Robinson and David Finley. Doesn't matter. They win. Gorillas of Destiny win the league. They win the tournament. They're on the mic bragging about how no one can touch them, and they've won the tournament, and they're taking the night off at Wrestle Kingdom. They're going to go down the Rapongi and get drunk and get some hookers and have a good time, and they are the most dominant champ- and whose music is that? It's the Young Bucks. I can live with that because then you have a winner of the tournament, okay? And then you have a team that they are very clearly have been feuding with all year saying, fuck that, defend those titles, you know, show up at the Dome and face us, the former champions. Could you live with that scenario if Gorillas of Destiny just win the tournament and don't have a challenger, and then the Bucks insert themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, I could definitely work that way because then it, it, it doesn't negate the tournament because right. God won it. And then, like, they can choose to, challenge, you know, take the challenge of the Young Bucks or whatnot. But, like you said, then the Bucks have a little bit more standing versus the, the Team B or whoever, the Killer Elite Squad that wins the tournament. Right. And then, like, they get one, you know, and, and, and they get bumped kind of to the side and have to do a three-way now. Their odds get reduced now because the Young Bucks have joined the fray, even though the Young Bucks weren't in the tournament or whatnot and are just going to say, hey, well, we, we were the former champions, so we get a right. chance too, which they did last year as well. I mean, the same exact thing. Remember where the Bucks came in and said, hey, well, we used to be the champions, so we get a rematch. Right. And it's like, you know, people are like, well, it's a rematch clause. It makes sense. Like, no, it fucking doesn't. But, no, I, I, I like that. I like the, that idea a little bit more, and that'd be cool, but it's probably not what we're getting because they, like, they, they love these three, man. They like, you know they like what? The three ways, but I've, but I like but it. I like it thing. a lot. It works a lot better to me. I've talked myself into that though, because I think if New Japan would have had their way, the Bucks would have worked this tour, and maybe the plan was for the Bucks to win this tournament. And maybe since the Bucks didn't work the tour, they said, "Well, we can still get the Bucks Gorillas of Destiny Kingdom match that we want. We'll just have 
Girls of Destiny win the tournament. So I've kind of talked myself into that. And I don't know if I've talked myself into that because it's logical or I've talked myself into that because I'm trying to do everything I can to talk myself into that they're not going to do a three-way. Um, but I can live with that too because, again, you're not, from a kayfabe sense, shitting on your tournament because you have a tournament winner. It's okay if the champions win the tournament. It just doesn't happen very often because you're usually using the tournament to set up a challenger. But if the champions win a tournament, I don't have a problem with that. And then I don't have a problem with the Bucks making a challenge. Right, well, because now it's up for grabs. They've won the tournament, so all these teams, you had your chance to win the tournament and you failed. God is, right. is, is, is above it. Yeah, so that I don't mind. That, that would actually work a little bit better for me. Because then, then the story you're telling is God is better than all these other teams, and they proved it because they came out on top. So then, I, yeah, so hopefully, and I haven't really seen anybody propose that. And why would they, Rich? Because with this company, you expect it to be the three-way. That's right where your mind goes. But I think if you look at it, it kind of makes sense because Sonata, look, if they're going to do a six-man gauntlet, which we've already heard there's plans to do for the never six-man titles, okay? Which I don't know how they're going to do that. It means Girls of Destiny and Fale, or I'm sorry, Girls of Destiny and Ishimori have to drop them on one of the Corican shows. Let's not forget about that. They're double champions. So in order to do a, a, a never six-man gauntlet, we have to have a title change in Corican on the 14th or 15th. So keep that in the back of your mind. But we have heard that they are going to have the never six-man gauntlet. So Sonata and Evil have, have – well, no. Bushi is teaming with – oh, that's right. I forgot that Bushi is teaming with Shingo at the Dome. Right, right, so right. that kind of pokes a hole in where I was going because Ishii and Yano could always grab a random chaos guy. and You know what I mean? It's like – so you can find other things for other people to do. And Ishii's probably wrestling Minoru Suzuki I mean, we, we know anyway. the match. You know what I mean? Like, we know the match. We're just trying to find our way around it and figure well, out. Let's, let's try to, well, let's see. So Ishii yeah. is probably wrestling Minoru Suzuki, right? Or maybe not. Maybe he is doing uh, a six. No, he's Sonata. against, he's against uh, uh, Saber. Oh, Saber. That's right. What am I thinking? Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I mixed that up, too. I, I said something earlier. Oh, I was when I did my preview, I was like, well, Ishii could potentially win it because he has got nothing to do. And everyone's like, well, he's doing the match with Saber. Yeah, so Ishii is out. So Ishii's with Saber, so you can knock him out right there. He doesn't need this, and he's not going to win it. So, But the problem is, my theory was Sonata and Evil would team with Bushi, and Bushi's teaming with Shingo. So, yeah. Um, unfortunately, it looks like Sonata and <laughs> That's why I said you're trying, but we know the match. I mean, yeah, there's there are scenarios, it, it, but... Yeah. We know you're not putting Sonata and Evil in the Rambo. You're just not doing it. No. And there's nothing for them to do if they're not in the tag team title match. Right. Son of a bitch! I so know. it's going to be Sonata you and had Evil. It. You had it there. You had me interested. You convinced yourself, but yeah. <laughs> it's We know. Could you imagine, Rich, could you imagine if they put Sonata and Evil in the Rambo? Oh my god! <laughs> like the meltdowns. That I really occur. just don't even just don't even do it. I don't even like. I love seeing the world burn, but that would just be so annoying that I just hope they don't do it. Please, just I, I'd rather Could have you the imagine. Three-way. I'd rather have the three way. <laughs> They're over as fuck on this tour, by the way. No, and yeah, I mean that would be also and like a bad idea. You know what I mean? Like that. I, yeah, I would also like. Not only would it be funny because like the stands would be very very upset, but like yes. that's that's a horrendous idea. Like they are 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 one of the most overacts in the entire company. So please yeah. don't do that. Yeah. But yeah, I can't. Yeah, I guess that Bucks scenario, I can't, I can't book my way out of this one. I don't think. <laughs> you it tried. Sucks. I admit, I admire your You know, you tried. You really did. But uh, I, th- I, I forgot all about Bushi and Shingo. Yeah. 
in the other three way, <laughs> the other smash together three way. You know, just we don't need that either. We just yeah, there's there's so many other scenarios, but we're gonna get two triple threat tag team. It's gonna be the most tropey trope that ever troped with the, like the two, both the junior heavyweight and the tag being you know the heavyweight tag being both. And three there's ways. a chance for a three way for the never title because where where does it leave Goto if they do a Bushi versus Osprey? Yeah, I guess he just like doesn't do anything, but it kind of sucked for him too. You know what I mean? Like, but it's Goto, so you can just like fucking throw him in the Rambo and just be like, ah, sorry, pal. No, like, I don't think that's the case. I mean, if you look at Goto, they 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 take care of him on this show. Look at the yeah, history. It's true. It's true. He's always like third or fourth from the top in a in a title match, or or yeah, like a like the tag team title match where they he won the tag titles with Shibata. He wrestled Minoru Suzuki last year, like third or fourth from the top. Um, if you look at it, he's always in. A, a match that is is somewhat they take care of Goto, so I think they're going to do a three way. Oh, Joe, Joe, you're killing me. <laughs> what? No, book, book me out of it then, because I, I don't. See- I don't. Yeah, because there's not many other spaces. I mean, if we look at the Wrestle Kingdom card right now, you obviously have the three way junior tag as we mentioned. Uh, junior heavyweight, you have Kushida and Taiji Tamori, so those guys are now out. Uh, Ishii and Saber for the British heavyweight title. You got Okada and Jay White. That's just kind of your straight singles match. Uh, Jericho Naito for the IC. Omega and Tanahashi for the heavyweight. I guess you could do a gauntlet, like one of those tag team gauntlet matches. I suppose you could do, but you know who else has nothing? Suzuki. Oh, that's yeah. Okay, so it could just be a random go to Suzuki. Well, how do you build to that in two days? And <sighs> yeah, <laughs> and what are, what are the stakes? And you did it last year. This isn't like this isn't a company that just throws guys in the ring randomly. No. I guess it's just so, Goto probably with like the best friends, you know, or something like that. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like just a random sick man. Can you put Suzuki in that match with Azuka or can you put Azuki in that with killer elite squad, a six man gauntlet? You could, yeah, right? maybe. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of a, de- it's kind of a downgrade for Suzuki and Goto, but it, those there's are no the more breaks, space. I, guess. I mean, there's no more space. I mean, there's six singles matches here or, or there's, you know, four, or, you know, what five singles matches already. You know, one triple threat tag, another triple threat tag that we know is going to happen too. I mean, there's just not a lot of room on the card for other people. So there's not like there's going to be another random singles match. Like you said, they're not just going to throw these guys together and go, all right, go on Suzuki, go ahead. Like they don't throw away singles matches for no fucking reason. So it's probably going to be a six man gauntlet or some tag gauntlet or something like that. You know, Cody, because Cody's wrestling juice. Yeah, it's not official, but yeah, that that will be. So then you can do Finley, Taguchi, and somebody for one team. You could do Hangman Page, Ujiro, and like Chase Owens or something. You can do Minoru Suzuki and Killer Elite Squad. You can do. Um, can we come up with three Chaos guys? I did right. You know, Goto, Beretta, and Chucky T. And, yeah, yeah, or, best or something like that. Yeah, you get the best friends involved in there. Or yeah, um, yeah, you add Yano. But then you got to leave Yano off, so I don't know. I get No, you Yano know, Yano can leave. be in the Rambo. Put, put Yano on the fucking Rambo. Who gives you know a who shit? You leave off, you leave Chuck Taylor off. Oh. He's not a full. You, they would, though. It would be Yano, Goto, and, and Beretta. You know Probably. it would. That's only going to fuel the flames of Chuck Taylor's rage. So. I think Chuck Taylor's earned a spot, honestly. I think he's. Yeah, he should. Very good. But, but the thing is. It, it, the roster's fucking overloaded. It's a loaded roster, and we've seen. Look, Mike Elgin was in the Rambo a couple years ago. You know, before any of his issues, and when he was being pushed. So, and he, I mean, he won it, but sometimes there's just no spots. Do I see them putting a Yano in that? Though? I mean, I don't know. He's a 
homegrown guy. Yeah. So if you look quickly at last year's uh, gauntlet, this is for the six man tag titles. Chaos was Beretta, Ishii, and Yano. Uh, Bullet Club was Balak Folly, Tamatonga, and Tagaloa. Obviously, Loa and and, and Tonga will be out, and and they'll be able to replace that with something else or whatever. Uh, Elgin and War Machine, I don't think that team is coming back this year. Uh, Taichi, Izuka, and Zack Sabre Jr. So, obviously, you take Zack out and throw somebody else in there. Uh, Then you had uh, uh, Juice uh, Juice Robinson, Taguchi, and Togi Makabe or whatever. But, yeah, you can can make – that's what it's going to be. You know, if we look at this card, you know, last year, it was essentially that too. It was one, two, three, four, five, six, six singles matches, you know, a, a straight tag, uh, you know, two straight tags for, for the for the tag titles or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, that, it, that's what it's going to be. Makabe, Hanma, and Finley or something. Um, it, it's But remember, someone's got to win those titles, though. That, that's the other thing here. Someone has to beat. Rules of Destiny, or you can't even book that match. You can't have oh, it with right. Yeah, they have those fucking titles. So, right? That's what I'm saying. So that's the caveat here. So they do have the two Cork and Hall shows, and I could totally see them doing a quickie title change there. But the problem with that here, Rich, here's Go, the other it, problem. It, it, it kind of sucks because you're trying to build them up for that tag match. So and Ishimori is getting a junior title match. Can't beat him. Oh, so really, who the fuck takes? The they really done it now, have they? I don't know. This is the classic you've booked yourself into a corner. Oh, this they really it. have done it now. I forgot that that team had those six-mans. Shit. Uh, and, hmm. and to get them off, someone has to eat a fall. Now, you could beat Tongaloa, I guess, but is that a good look? No, 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 no. And you're not no, none of those guys. That Ishimori doesn't want Yeah, you don't want to pin Ishimori either. So, a, yeah, I mean, they've truly booked I, themselves into I a corner. I guess they could do some, like, thrown-together triple threat match for the six mans or whatever but they have really done it haven't they jeez hmm i'm pumped i, I i'm stumped i don't know <laughs> yeah this is rich i figured it out okay all right got it i figured it out holy shit it just came to me the bucks and marty Skrull will challenge for the six man titles at corrigan okay yeah instead yeah. of the bucks challenging for the tag team titles okay all right and then that gets you out. That gets the titles off of Girls of Destiny and Ishimori, right? So they just and beat then, those guys. They just beat and those then guys. Bucks and Skrull, That's how they get on Wrestle Kingdom as the final leg of the gauntlet. Okay, as the champions. And then what's your what's your tag match then? You're like whoever versus Evil Sonata. Evil Sonata. Well, versus... Sonata and Evil can maybe uh, beat Girls of Destiny at that point and win okay. the t- and win the tournament. And then, you know, and then the, the, the Bucks being – maybe the Bucks and Squirrel wrestle on the undercard of World Tag League, win a six-man match, and just say that they want to crack it, Tonga, you know what I mean, before they even lose in the final. I'm just trying to get us out of this three-way. Please do. Yeah, please. <laughs> and that's a decent road to it. We've got to find out if Marty Squirrel is booked for that show on Wednesday. That could be it. That'd be perfect. It would solve every problem. I'm trying to see here. Um for what we have right now, yeah, this is just what we, the only result, the only schedule we have are the next uh, uh, next few days. Which which Wednesday one were you talking about? Or the World Tag League final? Oh, the final uh, Sunday, 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 Sunday. Sunday. What, yeah. what am I talking about? Wednesday? I have no idea. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Okay, yeah, we don't know that yet, quite yet. So yeah, they haven't said anything with that. All we just know is the Bucks because they kind of said it. Yeah. Um, okay. I I mean, still you have to have Ishimori. And 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 God, yeah, they're gonna them. have to lose. Yeah, yeah. And they're gonna have to lose. Like then, they presumably have to lose in the finals of the World Tag League, and then lose the next day. Know. 
lot of you know, it's a lot of losing <laughs> for the team. That's, you know, yeah, I don't know. Trying, it's not man. great. I'm, it's I'm not trying. great, but I, I, I like it though. I like, uh, I like your, I like your scenario better, even if I don't know that it's. Uh, Here's the important thing. You want to know what the most important thing is? I do. I've given so many scenarios that one of them will happen, and I will do a victory lap next yes. week. Yes, yes, you can. Yeah, we will only we will make sure to edit out the parts where we're wrong, like the six or seven times we're wrong, and then yeah, only you just yeah. you listen. You just conveniently ignore the other ones that didn't occur. And you, you just come on the show next week and you brag about the one that did occur right. and claim that that's the one you pushed heaviest and no one remembers other. Right. People are going to remember the walk off homer. They're not going to miss. They're not going to remember the three strikeouts you had earlier in the game or whatever. Exactly. They're, they're, yeah, they're so that, that's my- how we'll handle that. And that's how you handle uh, the, the podcast uh, prognostication business. You just focus on the things you got right and you ignore the 19 things you got wrong. And <laughs> that is how we're going to handle this. I've laid out like four different scenarios for this fucking thing. One of them has to hit. You know what I mean? So, you know, I went 4-0 on the NFL picks on the intelligence. Oh, did you? No, congratulations. So there you go. That's my second 4-0 week of the last three weeks, and you can bet on the NFL intelligentsia this week only on the Voices of Wrestling Patreon. I'll be pounding home that and bragging about that and doing multiple victory laps. You know how hard it is to go 4-0 against the spread? That's pretty Two tough. Three yeah, weeks. yeah, it's not easy, especially in, the, in today's NFL where it's just like on any given Fucking week, impossible. anybody can be yeah, like nothing. Like I see some of those scores sometimes, and I, I obviously follow, you know, with, no, very, 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 very far away. But like sometimes I'll just see it. I'm like, really, the Cardinals beat like the that team? And it's like anything can happen. You know what I mean? Like there's, there, it's very weird, especially spread-wise. Uh, I know that in recent years it's been kind of up for grabs, so. Little plug a roo for the Patreon. How about there you that? go. Patreon.com slash voice of the wrestling. You can do that. So, new Lance episode of the. Uh, money. Listen to my picks. Yeah. Basically. I mean, yeah. None of the other stuff. I mean, find another wrestling <laughs> subscription service that will actually make you money. That's you right. know? Guaranteed, Joe's locks of the week. You should put those under. Should I pay a little bit, but charge a little bit more for those than just $5. That seems like a steal at five bucks, but, you know, you do it your way. TLB's getting a nice dinner this weekend. I promise you that. Four, no? Because let me tell you something. You know, those aren't just for entertainment purposes, Rich. <laughs> I can promise you that. All right. Let's get to our final topic of the day here. The NXT UK. Some additional details we found out about this and some uh, soiled diapers that have gone on over the last few days. Uh, our friends, of course, on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, the Brit Rest Roundtable, uh, did an incredible episode this week. They have sources in the scene that kind of out, outlined a lot of the new details and a lot of the sort of the specifics about this NXT UK deal. I definitely recommend listening to that because they go real deep into the scene. Those guys are in the scene. They, they know the scene. They're, they're there. They go to shows. They're, they're friends with a lot of the guys. So they, they kind of have a better sense of, you know, the, the future of European wrestling, which they don't feel is very positive right now. And there's some definitely some disappointed uh, people there and, and whatnot. But really informative podcast. We're just going to kind of touch on, on some of the main stuff they got to uh, in that show in terms of new uh, info on the UK deal. We talked about a little bit last week, the overall thoughts of it. Um, we got a little bit more now that we know. Uh, the first big thing is, and that's what these guys kind of said, we talked about the individual, individual circumstances for each individual performer. You know, there was Tyson T-Bone tweeted it out, and Wolfgang said, you know, there's some details, or don't believe the reports, or, you know, yada, 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 yada. the same stuff that we've heard from the same seven or ten people or whatever has been like, ah, don't, don't believe what you're hearing. Like, it's more than that, or it's, ah, it's different than what you're hearing. Like, that sort of stuff that we've heard over and over again. Well, those guys, the restaurant table guys, uh, basically found that you can split these NXT UK contracts into three tiers. So you got tier one. So now tier one are wrestlers that are signed essentially to what you can consider WWE full-time deals, structured very similarly to US 
NXT deals. And these are your big time guys. These are your Pete Dunn's, your, you know, the guys that are going to be a big deal on the NXT takeover black, uh, Blackpool show or whatnot. That's your, your Tyler Bates, your Pete Dunn's, your Trent Seven, that's British strong style. You know, someone like a Tony Storm, a, a Zach Gibson, a Joe Coffey, like your top, top tier talent. Uh, are are those tier ones now the thing with those are they are allowed to work some dark matches this is something that we you know as we recorded last week we hadn't gotten all the details on right now so those wrestlers in the tier one will be allowed to work dark matches for wwe associated promotions as we mentioned before that's like future shock and evolve and, and progress and icw and and so you know fight club pro attack over the top you know those sort of ones right there so they'll be able to do dark matches for those but they are not going to appear on vod for those Thing. So uh, you can you can book Pete Dunn if you're progress, and you can have Pete Dunn versus Trent Seven if you're progress, but you cannot show it on your VOD. You can have Pete Dunn versus Tyler Bate on OTT or whatever, but you cannot show it. You cannot stream it. They can only work dark matches. So they're very much similar to what Adam Cole and Cedric Alexander and Vel- Velveteen Dream were for Evolve before Evolve left to that and, and said that now they could appear on WWE Live. So they are dark match properties pretty much only except for nxt uk at this point with those top tier uh, tier one stars does that change a little bit of what you thought about uh, this this you know the, the the big guys last week when we were talking about the contracts no no i i i don't even see how that's a no everything i said last week remains a... i also think that well, I'll let you finish up and then I'll give, I'll wrap up. Yeah. My, my big thing is on the tier one guys is at, at this point, I don't get, you know, it, well, when I read the initial thing about the tier one, when people were saying, Hey, the tier one guys cannot appear on any of this, this, and this, I said, well, why, you know, at this point, don't even let progress exist. Don't even let ICW exist. Just fucking tell them you're bought out. You're gone. You're on the network. Little caveat there is according to their sources as well, the Brit restaurant table sources that both progress and ICW are set to join the WWE network sometime towards the start of 2019, whether the, the start of 2019 means January 1st, 2019, February, 2019, they did not clarify that. I don't think they've been able to clarify that, but very soon progress and ICW will be on the WWE network. So now that makes all the sense in the world to me because essentially they'll probably lift that restriction once they get on the network. But until that point, they don't want Pete Dunn on, on, you know, they don't want you to watch Pete Dunn and, and, and Tyler Bate anywhere but the WWE Network or but w- NXT UK, which makes sense. But before I knew that they were joining the NXT Network it, or the WWE Network, it was a little bit like, well, why the fuck are they even existing then at this point? Yeah, so, the, the, yeah the idea being if you want to see these guys, you either have to come to an NXT UK house show or watch NXT UK on the network if you want to see these guys wrestle. Is Or, or you know, like online, you mean? Like, you have yeah, to- right, right, right. If you want to see, you forget the house show. You, you got to go to, you got to watch NXT UK on the network. You can't watch them on, you know, Progress Demand or you, you know, Demand Progress or whatnot. Yeah, I, I get that too, but um, I don't know. It, it's I, I I tend to think. I'll say what I said last week. I really tend to think all of this is in flux and will continue to shift and change. One thing I'm tired of is your Tyson T Bones and your Tyler Bates and everybody else saying, "Stop listening to conjecture." Um, don't believe rumors. Well, you know what? Then shut them down and tell yeah, us. Right. What to do Control with. the story. Then control the story by yeah. by being upfront and talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Either shut your trap and don't say anything, and just do your job, or or shut them down. Don't come out and say, "Oh, well, you shouldn't believe everything you read." Well, then set the record straight. Then, if we're all wrong, okay. And here's the thing: with promotions running angles to write people out. And promotions run in angles to push people who aren't under WWE contracts. And with promotions pulling talent already, it seems like everything being reported is on the right track. <laughs> yes. So, so if, but if we're all wrong and we shouldn't be listening to rumors, then 
then like you said, control the story. Tell us the deal then. Tell us what what is and isn't allowed then. Why are you letting people run with all this? If it's so frustrating to you and people shouldn't listen to this conjecture, then either then either set the record straight or log off. I don't want to hear from you anymore with, oh, I don't believe rumors. Uh, I don't believe what you hear. I don't want to hear it anymore. Log off or set the record straight. Those are your two options. Because that bullshit, I'm just tired of hearing it. It comes off like, it comes off like you're completely full of shit is how it comes off because you would just say, oh, well, that's not true. I can do this, this, and this. Right. This it, it's you trying to kind of skirt the the thing. But when there's smoke, there's usually fire. There's a shit ton of fucking smoke coming from Europe. So, yeah, yeah. Just, just, yeah, and, 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 and reliable sources. And like you said, all the actions have all followed with what we've all heard. I mean, the actions are, are reflecting every single rumor and all the bullshit and yeah. all the conjecture and all that Ty- sort of stuff. Tyler Bate, don't believe rumors. Then why did you and your boys write yourselves out of the promotion that your boy owns? <laughs> right, that you guys own. Yeah, right. You own it. You're, you're, Trent Seven <laughs> owns it, and he wrote himself out of the storylines. Why, if none of this is true? It's all bullshit, Joe. Yeah. I, then, then it's, you know, it's fucking ridiculous, you know? So anyway, go ahead. Uh, some other stuff. So we said progress in ICW set to join the WWE network sometime towards the start of 2019. And and the thing with a lot of this is like as as a, a, an American wrestling fan, like I'm actually kind of okay with a lot of the stuff that's going on. Like it doesn't bother me that much. People in the scene, I get why there's a little bit of uh, a worry and, and a little bit of annoyance. And we'll talk about that with the other tiers as well. But like for me, like I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, progress on the network, great for me. Uh, Evolving WXW expected to join uh, progress in ICW on the WWE network shortly after as well. So we don't know when that is. If that's July or if that's March or whatever but they're both kind of earmarked for, for popping up there uh, as well we have not heard anybody that told us that's not true yet either so you know i don't know like we, we you know the brit rest guys reported it and it's been pretty interesting ever since they got their big reporting it's gotten a lot of buzz and it's been you know a lot of people have talked about it i've heard one person slide into the dms and say you know that's actually not true or actually you know what we what the real deal is this so you know eh. right and the other thing is none of the and none of these promoters are refuting it either. They're not, yeah. And, and, and they would be pretty quick to refute it if there was bullshit because that affects their bottom line. If it hurts consumer confidence or it makes the paying fan think, oh, well, I don't need to support this anymore. It's going to be on the net. You would come out and say, hey, listen, this thing that we saw isn't true. We have no, you know, they're not even refuting it. Yeah. And there's been a bunch of people that have slid into like, you know, our mentions and been like, hey, at, this is progress. Like, is this true? Or hey, is it right. worth, you know, subscribing to the network? And silence you know what all, i mean Not- and, and all those guys follow us anyway and yeah, exactly they know them now and then and right. over the course of time so it's not like yeah yeah. And, and they listen to the Brewers Roundtable. It's a big deal in that in that scene or whatnot. And I know for a fact that the article got a ton of buzz, and I, I could see the people viewing it. And like, yeah, it was it was it got a ton of buzz. It was you know the li- everybody was listening to that episode. It was one of the better episodes, that, you know, numbers wise they've ever done. Uh, the article that we we published that was the companion piece of it is one of the highest you know traffic thing that we've had in in, in months or whatever. Like they're seeing it, they know it, but we haven't heard somebody say take that down. That's wrong, or you're ruining my business. You know, it's been pretty quiet on that front. So. Or, or hey, you published this. He- Here's what's really happening. Right, None right, of right. That. I just want to set the record straight. You know, you, I, there's a lot of rumor and conjecture, but here's what really, no, no. And we've had polite conversations with at least one of these promotions that's involved. So it's like, I I, I don't, yeah, yeah, no one's not, there's going, don't believe rumor. Well, tell us what the, the truth is. <laughs> right. Uh, no plans to incorporate the other WWE approved promotions, Fight Club Pro, Attack Pro, Over the Top, or Future Shock into the network at this time. So where they stand... We'll see. Um, all right. So tier two, and, and we've heard as well, Brit Restaurant Table guys, they heard that tier one was a little bit larger than a lot of people thought because our initial idea was like, ah, British Strong Style and Tony Storm or whatever, but it's a little bit bigger than a lot of people thought. So that is 
their indication was basically anybody who has a big role in NXT TakeOver Blackpool is, is basically going to be in that Tier 1. So uh, we have Tier 2 now. Tier 2 wrestlers can, in fact, work on VOD, but only with partner promotions. So these these guys can wrestle for progress, ICW, WXW, Fight Club Pro Attack, Over the Top, and Future Shock. Uh, but those are kind of semi-regulars on NXT UK and probably people that aren't going to be featured acts uh, on TakeOver Blackpool. So your kind of secondary guys are, are going to be in that Tier 2 level. Yeah. And then finally, Tier 3. So this tier is what they consider most closely to what we have right or we had but with the NXT UK deals before. So wrestlers in this tier, they can work freely across the world with the exception of the blacklist promotions, the quote-unquote blacklist promotions. This is Rev Pro, Defiant, New Japan, Ring of Honor, Impact, MLW, Lucha Underground, uh, and the potential All Elite Wrestling. So this is all the company that WWE never cares about. You know, they never, ever care about competition, and they are so they sign their TV deals, so why would they care anymore? Well, you can't work for any of those promotions ever because they're on the blacklist. So you can work for anybody you want except for these, you know, <laughs> seven promotions that are direct competitors to us. Uh, tier 3 wrestlers can show up on VOD for any promotion, but with the wrinkle that they cannot work with anybody from the blacklist promotions as well. So they can, they can work with anybody on VOD, but if it, that wrestler is synonymous with ref pro or new Japan or ring of honor, MLW, then they can't, they can't show up on VOD for that. You can't wrestle Willow spray on VOD. Right. Exactly. So you can't be whoever tier three guy is going to be. You can't wrestle. Yeah. You can't wrestle guys that are can't wrestle Pac at a, at a a ref pro show or whatever. So yeah, that, that's sort of the caveat there. Wait, you Uh, could wrestle Pac, right? Well, he's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think Dragon Gate's on the list. Uh, I think he's close enough to Rev Pro where he's on the list, but. You think so? I think so. He's close I'd enough be interest- to. I'd be interested in what they do about Pac. I'd be interested about that. Yeah, I, not- people, people should challenge him on this. See what the fuck. I mean, it sucks that there's like these tier three guys are going to get kind of caught, caught in the crossfire, but I challenge it. Like the world of sport guys, obviously. And, and, oh, I, forget about, I forgot to add world of sport because, yeah, but. Yeah, <laughs> and, and MLW, like like you can't wrestle Phoenix. I get it, or Willow Spray, or you know, um, Pac's an interesting one because he's just a freelancer. At this point. Yeah, I would count him as the as a blacklist wrestler, probably, but I don't know, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, so this tier is mostly your enhancement guys from the weekly show. Sid uh, Scala. Yeah. <laughs> who's the Who's the black guy that uh, they really try to make happen, but it's really not happening? I'm like Amir on Jordan. That's it. Yeah. Where they're like Amir Jordan. He's a. I'm that's like, not, I've that's never heard of Amir Jordan. No. Who is my, It's like PJ or JP or whatever. You're talking who, about Ashton Smith. Is what you're talking. Is that who I'm talking about? Ashton Smith. Yeah. He's not good at all. But they really they want like you. To, they want you to think Ashton Smith's pretty tall, good. Tall. He's got a good look. He does. Yeah. He's very tall. He does. He's very he's, tall. He's like tall. He's indeed tall. He's got a big cast thing going for him. Uh. So yeah. The the there are other people that don't fit into the boxes as well. Walter is, is of course, one. Uh, he can remain in Germany and be able to be more of kind of a WWE NXT freelancer. So he's pretty open. Awesome. Uh, his contract down last week. Yeah, so yeah. So we talked about him. So there's nothing his, new his on the Walter front. Yeah. Widely reported, actually. That's something that even Meltzer reported and whatnot. And we'll see what, um, you know, Meltzer, if he has anything in the Observer this week, um, continuing along these lines. But, um, I, I would say to the to, to the fans in the UK who are disappointed and sad and they think their scene is going to be destroyed, just to take a deep breath and be patient. It certainly doesn't look good, and we kind of know how these stories end. Um, but I do think – I'll say the same thing I said last week. I do think that this can shift and change on a weekly basis. I do. Uh, this was the same kind of panic that set in a year and a half ago or a year ago, whatever it was, and it kind of got quelled and and – I would just I would I would be patient here. Um, you know, the, the, 
the, the thing about it is them signing so many people. That's the same thing that's happening in the U.S. It's just signing so many people, which is the which is the concerning thing. I mean, shutting down certain promotions or co-opting promotions. Other promotions can crop up if there's talent available. The problem is they're signing everybody and, and, and creeping closer and closer to just making everyone exclusive. The fact of the matter is these people would all be exclusive already if they had enough work for them. That, that's the problem here. They don't have enough work. It's not WWE UK is not full time. If it was full time, they'd all be completely removed from the scene. Um, and as far as you know, co-opting these various promotions, I really don't know what their mo there there is other than potential programming for a higher network tier. Um, the fact that they can buy them out at any time, which is really old news, that was reported a year ago. I don't know how that cropped up again as new news, but the fact that they can buy these promotions at any time, um, you know, that I guess. I don't know. I guess that, that's more or less an insurance policy if they decide, okay, we're just going to sign up everybody exclusive and just shut the door on all of these other places and 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 and, and buy them out and finish them off. It's just a. I can understand why fans are scared. I get it. You know, and if you're a fan of independent, we, we had the same conversation about the U.S. scene. It's really the same conversation. If you're a fan of independent, when the Evolve thing went down, if you're a fan of independent wrestling, I mean, this sucks. This This greatly puts a chokehold on what these promotions can do and and they're signing up all your talent and you know um you know it's coming to japan i mean it's just a matter of time and it'll probably come to latin america it's you know this is this is not new like others have noted this was the shane mcmahon idea of 12 years ago yeah right right they're finally it's, just putting it in place it, it's it's not any different than what they did in the territories either it's 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 yeah. playbook stuff it's you know <laughs> come in nice and helpful and yay we're gonna feature you and then slowly but surely take it over and then just engulf it like that's that they want WWE. they want wrestling to be WWE. they want everything that 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 is pro wrestling to be under their you know auspices and and apparently they have the money to do it they have the free capital to kind of do it so it's it's you know some people people brought up hey is at some point any stockholder is gonna say hey why do you guys just they don't care you know what i mean like you listen to these stock calls these assholes don't know anything about them signing any. They don't give a shit. They say, "Hey, did you sign that Fox deal? Okay, cool, great." You know, like, "Hey, did you make money this month? Cool, great." We, you know, that that's all that matters to them. They don't really look at 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 sort of the ins and outs of it. And 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 WWE has the capital to do that. And and until promotions stop thinking that they're the good guy, then this is going to keep happening. And and it's going to. I mean, they they do a very very good job of appearing like the good guy you know you know if it's not going to be if triple h sort of assumes that the the new role on top or whatever and then there's the next guy in line he'll probably do the same thing like that's it's been their playbook is you know come in be the nice guy be the helpful guy help out and then eventually take it down you know that's kind of always what it's been so it's it's maybe it's not surprising it's not maybe maybe we're just in a transition where the era of high level indies is about to cease to exist where you know, Evolve has already packed it in, and the UK high-level indie promotions, with the exception of RevPro and a couple of others, have accepted their fate and have essentially packed it in. And the high-level indie promotions in the in the US will eventually run out of stars to use, and they will have to, you know, downgrade or cease to exist. And maybe we're headed towards a landscape of lower level indies which will always be fine because they're not relying on the people wwe is signing right so your low level indies nothing really changes for them so maybe we're heading to a landscape where the low look the indies will always exist 
But maybe the high-level indie, the super indie era, maybe that's over. And maybe it'll be moving forward, low-level indies that have always been there and low-level TV promotions, your impacts, your MLWs, your world of sports, your ring of honors or whatnot. Maybe it's those three levels that exist moving forward. WWE, TV promotions existing on what realistically is an indie level, but they have television, and then low-level indies. Maybe the super indie, high-level indie, progress, evolve, OTT, WX. Maybe that era is just over. Yeah. And maybe this is the shift that's occurring now. And that maybe the landscape in, in, in two years is going to look like the way I laid it out. And this is why I said uh, several years ago, and very stupid people who uh, – and they are stupid people. Very stupid people who don't didn't understand the point, you know, tried to make it into a meme or whatever, but it holds true. And I said it years ago. You need to root for Bushi Road. You need to root for Sinclair. You need to root for Amoeba or whoever it is that owns DDT. Mm-hmm. You need to root – for Khan yeah, to get Khan, involved yeah. in wrestling. You need real companies with real skin in the game, real money to do well. If you don't have your Bushi Roads and your Khans and your Amoebas and your and your and your Sinclairs, there's really nothing stopping WWE from legitimately taking over everything. Nothing. But your Bushi Roads aren't going to, you know, are less likely to sell out. You know, your, your bigger companies that, that, that can, can at least play on the same level playing field or, or even some bigger companies in the case that can shit on WWE's money if they wanted to, like a Sinclair, you need those. And that's why I said that all those years ago. But stupid people are going to do what stupid people do and miss the point. That, that's fine. Those are just ignorant assholes that don't understand points. But that's you all need. You need to root for those companies, right? And we're seeing it come true now. I mean, we're we're not idiots. Like we knew the playbook, and we talked about the playbook at the we, time. And we've been was, talking about it for years, and you know, and, and and because those are the companies that can at least step in and prevent everyone from signing with WWE. I mean, we we, we see that there's scant few that do. Yeah, and if you like wrestling, you should want. I mean, that's you should want too. all that. You, you want the, competition because it's better yes. for the wrestlers. The wrestlers even make if more you're money. Never <laughs> right. gonna watch Impact, right? Even if you're never gonna watch DDT, even if you don't like New Japan, you want them to exist and be thriving. That's important. It's very important. I'm not a huge DDT fan, but I want them to grow and be successful. And I think being owned by a bigger company is great. You know, and, and this I want the con thing to happen very badly. I'm a little put off and annoyed by the elite like everybody else is, but I want that to happen. That would be a great thing. Yeah. Did you see so, uh, Cody R was hanging out at the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars game randomly? That's <laughs> Sunday in the owner's box. Just just, random. Yeah, weird. He yeah, he must have bought yeah, a ticket bought or a box. <laughs> That's what I mean about Cody. Like we talked about that. Randy week. bought a box, and the owner, you know, and yeah. it just happened to be the owner's box. What a, what a surprise! You buy a, you know, because nobody loves anything more than the Jack. You know, Cody is nothing if not the world's biggest Jacksonville Jaguars fan. So for him to just pop up in the owner's box, you know, and that's funny too. You buy a, you know, a, a box ticket, and you get the owner's box sometimes. So it's a, you know, <laughs> just a total happenstance. Total happenstance. <laughs> well, I also said too, like like we talked about a little bit last week. All the evidence you need that this thing has some 
sort of traction is the fact that WWE just got on their fucking ass in the last two weeks, killed an entire wrestling scene and signed a shit ton of people. Like, yeah. you know, like there you go. Like if, if you ever want to know if something's happening, go look at what they're doing. And if they're freaking yep. out and going nuts and signing and doing this sort of stuff that yeah, yeah, that's, it's not because they got 100 less people at their fucking NXT house show or whatever. Their NXT t- UK house show is because there's, you know, something bubbling up in the background there. They so. know something's coming. Yeah. yeah. Which is smart. I mean, they're smart, and they do it, and they get away with it, and they've done it. Oh, time oh time hey, again, look! So. Throughout all of this, I don't begrudge them for anything. Fuck no, they've it's always been great moves. business. They're great business moves. They they <laughs> bring down workers' costs. They they engulf other companies. Like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's to them. I'd be doing great. the. I would be doing the same thing. Yeah, they're they're. In fact, I'd be more aggressive than they are. I really don't think they're aggressive enough. Or no, they were 15 years behind on this. Yeah, they, they let yeah, the Super Indies exist when they never should have. Like, Ricochet, you know, the fucking 10th time he went in there for a tryout. Like, what are you doing? Like, he should have been signed in 2010. Like, Johnny Gargano, I remember, had. Didn't, I remember he got, like, a developmental deal, and it was, like, some shit deal, and he just went back to, uh, I think, DGUSA. It was, like, back in, like, 2012 or 13 or something like that. Like, they had kind of put their eyes on a lot of these dudes, but then they just never went through with it. They just always kind of poo-pooed it. And like now all these guys are the stars of their company. You know, Ciampa that was there and they let him go. Like Kenny Omega was there and they let him go. Like they had all these people. They were aggressive, but then they, you know, well, not aggressive Vince, enough, as you said. Yeah. Vince wouldn't be doing any of this. All Triple H. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Vince wouldn't be doing any of this. And it was too, that's who really kicked this into motion. 